0: welcome to WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and come on babies one of the most important areas of professional wrestling. I'm your host Dave and this episode we'll be covering Uncensored 1998. A triple trap match isn't great with only one man even though I could wrestle a broomstick so my opponents for tonight will be the ring general, Fergus Looney. How are you doing Fergus?
1: Never forget Dave, anything can happen un- uncensored. Maybe even a
0: good wrestling match, we don't know.
1: Keep, head
0: of so yeah. and the other man in the match the man of a thousand and five holds connor o'donnell how are you doing connor
2: doing okay I, I know a few more arm bars for good measure <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to talk about that but yeah i'm yeah. wondering speaking of uncensored i'm wondering how many times a question's going to come up and the answer is, without a doubt, of course, is going to be because it's, it's uncensored. uncensored.
0: <laughs> you,
2: all right, here, what's the line? Uh, four times, maybe, over and under. What, what do you, what do you oh, guess? way I think over. We, I think we <laughs> went up to, like, three or four last time, so that's what I'm basing it off of.
0: Nine, nine matches? Over. Over <laughs> on nine matches, okay. I think. All right. I'll, I'll try and keep track. <laughs> it might be uncensored. It mightn't make any sense. But one thing is a bit clearer than our last few pay-per-views. Sting is finally the undisputed champion. We don't have to go over this rubbish again. We finally have a WCW champion for the first time, clearly in three pay-per-views.
1: Is finally. it only three?
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I never acknowledged Hogan as the champion in the first place. Uh, JJ Dillon confirmed that Sting was the champion and uh, Nick Patrick was uh, sent to the ring, so NWO couldn't complain. How's this been playing out on the uh, on the Nitros and Thunders, Connor?
2: Well, it's just it's just nice to move on. In general, we've we've kind of just reached that point where Sting is he actually he's talked now. So now he's he's cut a few promos. The commentary plays it up as a big deal, but we're so far past that. All right, yeah, Sting hasn't talked in a while. So it doesn't didn't really hit quite home and you know Sting's promo work is is good. So it's like we're we're changing the character up a little bit cuz obviously it's been kind of flat. So it's good to move on, but at the same time Sting is still kind of bland hasn't been a great run, particularly just because the Savage and Hogan storyline has just kind of taken over everything.
0: Well, even if Hogan isn't champion, he needs to be the champion of the show, right? I, I guess. I mean, do you guys understand the storyline, really? Of the main event itself?
1: What are you considering the main events? <laughs> I mean, obviously, the last match on the card. So. <laughs> yes, it, it, well, of
0: course. <laughs> as far as I understand, Hogan and Randy used to be a tag team, and then Hogan, like, accidentally... Florid what missiles? Oh, sorry, wrong error, wrong error. Uh, no, I don't really understand the storyline going into this.
2: Well, it, it's it's hard to understand because well, at least for me, because I feel like the commentary team they're pushing this. There's a power struggle between the NWO, and this is going to decide this pay per view is going to decide it, you know, once and for all. But the way they play it out on the screen, though, it's like Randy is a loose cannon. He doesn't like Hogan. And he accidentally decks Bischoff months ago and Nash hit him. So that's kind of where the con- conflict started. So, like, why does the NWO consider Randy still a part of the group? The NWO, they've, like, beat him up and spray painted him? Like, that's <laughs> that's the weird part here. Like, I feel like commentary is just kind of creating the storyline, but the, the talent is just like, no, we're doing this other thing.
0: Yeah, it's not like anyone's out with Randy. And it's not, none of the bits of the storyline I've seen, it's like Randy in a subsection of that group. It's just Randy and Elizabeth. Their own NWO.
1: You mean to tell me there's not a valid reason
0: for them being in a cage match? After all this time, <laughs> mm, <laughs> do you think yeah. they own <laughs> stocks in the company that do like chain link fences?
2: They used a different cage this time, so it was, yeah, it was actually nice a nice
1: crap, uh, crap one. It wasn't a crap one. No, I don't like this one either. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, it's it's not good, but I, I think it's at least a, a slight step up, I guess. Mm.
0: Yeah, this this is really weird, and it's. Um, I don't know if it's reflecting the Nitros and Tunders, but there were so many hot storylines. We were talking about people that could be pushed going into these pay per views, and now we're seeing a Hogan Savage main event, and it's overshadowing of uh, uh, what should be a main event of two younger guys, Sting and Hall, and using younger on Sting a bit <laughs> generously.
2: Well, I think it was hot like the the previous month. It's just they they have not added really anything. If the if you want to do like the power struggle angle, it's like you need to develop it more you need to put into doubt whether Randy is siding with some be- some people because like, he had a promo. like He stated that Hogan is unaware that half the guys in NWO secretly want to stab him in the back at the drop of hat. So it's like we should have some doubt of like who those guys are, but really there is nothing. It just seems like a throwaway line that just Randy is shooting off the cuff because a lot of these promos very much feel like that because they're like making fun of each other's wives and stuff and it's just like mm, this doesn't <laughs> oh. really come together here
0: they're just actually shooting on each other at night on nitrous night yeah you gotta believe they probably would have killed each other if not for all of
1: the oodles of money they make each other <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it is that funny randy savage hates hulk hogan down to his very being hulk makes a lot of money for randy <laughs>
2: over the, over the years <laughs> well it's yeah it's, it's something to bring up too like you know we're, we're kind of shitty on the storyline but like wcw like they are kind of gonna just going through the motions now with like no real concrete plans now that like the storyline was saying is like we're now complete with that now at this time it's wrestlemania time so we saw this around the 97 as well like they're at the down period during wrestlemania and it's like but at least they had a goal to work towards it seems like right now they they're just kind of trying to figure things out it seems to me but that doesn't mean like they're not making tons of money like i thought the ratings were going to dip a lot more but they're still doing excellent business and like tyson's obviously a good draw at least in the ratings like wcw is still beating them here i it was something going back and watching this i thought the story was going to be a little different i actually watched a few of the raws i thought the raws were going to be knock out of the park great shows but they're just okay but obviously like they know they have something with Austin so it's i i can see the switch this month that WCW does understand that's like mm, we might actually be in trouble we have to get our shit together so i can i can see why they make some
1: brash decisions in the coming months yeah i mean is it fair to say that they just kind of go well we got here because of the NWO so we may as well continue the story to its next level or whatever it might be and Sting just isn't a part of that and that's why he's yeah, not the main and, event. Yeah, and that's
2: fine. I just wish they yeah. didn't half-ass it, like I said. Oh, it's just like yeah, absolutely. If, if we're going to do the Power struggle angle, which sounds like a fun storyline, it's like, nah, let's just half-ass it and just,
0: you know. The opening packages of pay-per-view reflects everything we're talking about in the Nitros here. Oh, it's so bad. It's yeah, so it's- bad. It's not great, but it's also <clears throat> only about Hall, Sting, Savage, and Hogan. They're only covering those two matches. It's classic NWO grainy, jumpy style, but worse. It's in color. It's done worse than the original videos. It's, it's not great. I'm
2: not even splicing the audio. It's that. Uh,
0: but, but I mean, <laughs> oh. you're going to
1: miss out the cool, chuggy riff that's like real Paramount 5000 out of it. <laughs>
2: See, it's it's, it's different because I, I hear that exact music on the Nitros all the time. It's like the Nitro Girl, like stock music that they dance to if they need like a tune that they just need to dance to
1: <laughs> their dance oh god they really yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah who knew it would only take a couple of months for me to be going man where's that post-apocalyptic
0: nonsense <laughs> like i want that back uh, <laughs> our commentary team for tonight is brain shivani and mike Tanay. and being uncensored i kind of would have liked if dusty was on this as a heel commentator but back to back to probably their best commentating team
2: I forgot Dusty was in the company until he came out with Hall.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good start.
2: That, well, that's what the, the problem with the NWO now. And that's something we didn't yeah. mention early on. Like they, We've added another member, although he's not officially named. So that's typical WCW. But it's just there's so many members at this point that and they don't come out every week that when they do come out like, oh, yeah, you're a part that of that guy, too. <laughs> yeah. Like Rick Rude wasn't like on TV for a while. So when he came back, I was like, oh, yeah, you are with me. Cool. <laughs>
1: Tony, I like you. Tony also gets my hopes up by saying it's a two hour show. I was like, really? i was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I posted this on our Instagram that
2: the thrilling debut of the disciple, good old Ed Leslie. Oh, man. Oh, oh, was it the shittiest of debuts?
0: <laughs> if you guys ever get really famous, can I just ride on your to- coattails forever? Is that Okay. Can we call you Dizzy Dave? Yeah, you can call me what you want if you keep paying me. I'm pretty sure that's what Ed told Hulk <laughs> multiple he's, times.
1: He's gonna be bullet. That's one. That's the deal.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the, the commentators build up the fragility of the NWO and the infighting, and they don't know what's going to happen. They make a very good point that even if Hall wins, is like, is he going to give the title up to Hogan? You, we don't think so. So, what's going to happen if Hall manages to beat Sting tonight? Nice story angle coming into the pay per view. I think.
2: Yeah, see, uh, like the the commentators do a good job of building the storyline. Like, I just wish that this would play out on camera.
1: <laughs> <Come> <laughs> yeah, on. I wish they were reading from the same same I mean, end sheet. I'm sure they're talking to each other, Connor. I don't know what you're going on about. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just
2: it feels like the the mid card, our first like five matches, is booked by somebody else, and then the rest of the stuff is just like it feels like the wrestlers are booking it. <laughs> that's what it feels like.
0: Mm. Almost as if that's what's exactly exactly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First match of the night, and it's a doozy. We get TV champion Booker T winning it at the last pay-per-view we covered against Eddie Guerrero, full-on heel Eddie Guerrero, coming out with a slave Chavo. He's won Chavo (laughs) by beating him in a match. So now Chavo has to come out to the ring with him. I love it. Chavo's just in his streets like, I don't want (laughs) to. I don't want to be here commentary put over Eddie winning the US title and Cruiserweight title so far and maybe adding the TV championship. But it got me thinking, I don't know if you guys feel like this, that all three of those championships are pretty much interchangeable in my mind at the moment.
2: Yeah, they're doing a better job of building them back up, at least at least for this pay-per-view, because they've had good title runs from Booker, who's he's actually kept the belt, which is a nice... <laughs> Which is nice, and and Paige has actually had a really good U.S. title run as well. So yeah. we're we're finally uh, trying to get there. I, I think the tag titles are probably worse than all three of those belts.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're not. as what state. was missing.
2: Gosh. Oh yeah,
0: it's like there wasn't even one tag match, let alone. Mm. Yeah. I, I,
2: they've they've just completely gone away from tag team wrestling to the point where like, public enemy have gone done like singles matches. It's wow. it's rough, man.
0: Ooh. Which is weird because usually, like, especially if you look at Mexican and Japanese style wrestling, when you have these big stables, you want to have lots of tag team matches so you don't give away singles matches, right? So you have these like Hogan gets to not face the main contender over and over if you have him tagged with one of the guys. Yeah, they've definitely done the
2: New Japan match that you've you've definitely uh, brought up before. They definitely yeah. one of the one of the main events was like it was Hogan Hall and Nash versus. You know Sting, Macho, and Giant or whatever. So they've, they've yeah. definitely done that. But as far as tag teams, like your High Voltage, no, they've been doing singles matches. It's it's weird, bizarre.
1: Think fast, Dave. Who's the champions?
0: Oh my goodness, is it still <laughs> somehow the
1: Steiners? I don't know. That's that's how bad it is. <laughs> that's from the last episode, guys. Come I, it's on, it's
2: the Outsiders,
1: no. right? Yeah.
0: yeah, they won
2: it over no. the Scott Steiner. Turn. Come on, we yeah. know. I
0: I think I think they just lost the titles. I think it was probably a no contest, and it's still the Steiners. I don't, I don't
1: know. <laughs> no, it's it's the outsiders. This is how they get rid of the belts as as well because they don't even bring them out. So you don't even know that they have them. Mm.
0: <laughs> at least our champion coming out second here is making the title look good. He's over, as always, Booker T. And we get very loud Eddie Sucks chants from the start of the match. These two might be t- two of the best commodities they have at the moment. I, I really like this in a warm-up spot because Booker and Eddie can get a crowd going really well.
2: Tanae Eppley. Aplier- Points out that Super Bowl was like the breakout performance for Booker. So it's, yeah, yeah, they know they have something here. And it's nice to see that like the fans are really behind him. And
0: yeah, he's a house of fire at the start of this match. Uh, Eddie doing his uh, very typical, very renowned, cowardly stuff. I love his begging on knees things uh, and how he evolved that spot throughout time. Booker Booker is keeping the pace fast. He's not even letting Eddie milk the kind of heat uh, that long.
1: I would disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair. I thought that match, the opening is very slow and he does a lot of stalling.
0: Maybe I was just very into it so it seemed a bit faster yeah. to me. That That's that's absolutely fair. But we get that real clear heel face dynamic in this one that's missing from, some, I think, some of the other matches later on in uh, the night.
2: Yeah, I think that's something to bring up too. That, that like, the reason the mid card really works well is just we have really defined people that we hate and like which is nice yeah. and the best the best heels they have are the mid mid card heels so you have eddie you have jericho and you have raven
0: yeah i like eddie's um heel work in this match as well with the targeting of the leg i think it's really pronounced the drop kick uh when uh booker is up top and uh, when he goes for harlem hangover and then when booker goes for the scissors kick he precise pinpoint drop, uh, drop kicks the leg i think that's a really nice point opposed to post, just like all rest moves after some classic heeliness booker powers up again he hits a pancake and a spinner straight to his feet he's using that move more and more and i'm enjoying it a lot scissors kick uh while selling his knee a little bit and one of the most savage alabama slams i've ever seen in my life holy crap i thought eddie was gonna go through the ring
2: there's some really good work in here although i will criticize uh, eddie a little bit uh when booker hits the scissors kick he kind of does uh I-, I like when people fall straight down for the scissors kick it makes it look a lot better but he like he bumps backwards instead of down, like face down. Mm. Yeah. Makes the makes the move look just a little slightly shitty.
0: Like cartoony almost.
2: It's not just that. It's just like it's it's taking your momentum from the move going the other way. So it just looks a lot
0: less devastating. It's like the stunner bump. Which way do you bump for the stunner? Yeah. Booker misses a sidekick in the corner and Eddie uh sets him up for another superplex. Booker pushes him off top and Eddie does a perfect uh backflip lands on his feet and then rolls through. But when he charges back towards the turnbuckle, Booker hits uh, the missile dropkick he missed last time for the three count. A bit of an abrupt finish after a really nice match. And I, I didn't know that Booker was using a missile dropkick as a finish. I thought that was just part of his arsenal. He's,
1: he's not.
2: Arsenal. It, it, does come, it comes out of
0: nowhere. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, what? <laughs> What's yeah. going on here? That's usually his transition move at the moment, but it, it looked really nice. And I guess Eddie running into it is supposed to make it like more impactful or something. But yeah, I, I think I, I, an enjoyable opener that really got the crowd into it. What did you guys think of the match?
2: Uh, I thought it was an okay match. Not not the best opener we've seen. Like overall, just solid execution. Both guys worked well. Like Both
1: guys worked the crowd well, I thought. It's good you went before me anyway, because I was really disappointed with this, considering the two of them. Hmm. It's really slow. It is. I get why Eddie is doing all the stalling. He's the heel. He's trying to build the character, and it works to a certain degree. But it's not the thing he can do best, which is doing his athleticism and his ability and his technical quality. So instead, we're having a guy walk around, which is a bit frustrating. Also, they they just really slowed down when they hit the knee lock and it never really went anywhere from there for me. Plus the out of nowhere finish. Booker didn't really sell the knee (laughs) after a while, especially at the end. So it kind of was like, why do all that stuff? And then the ending was kind of out of nowhere. So yeah, for for the two guys, I I get given the period it is. I I found it quite interesting that this pay-per-view in particular, there's a lot of guys that, we know for so many years since then that sometimes it's hard not to expect everything, so looking at this from now, uh, it's kind of like, oh, it's not fair to say because they do actually still improve from here, but even still, I think this is disappointing for for what they are capable of in'
2: 98 yeah it's hard to hard to judge. These guys in just with this one match because they, they've been frequently, obviously, wrestling on Nitros and Thunders, usually with tag matches with Jericho and, and Malenko. So those have been like really, really entertaining. Mm. So it was definitely a notch down, but I've just been entertained by the, the charisma by all all those guys in the ring. Like, I guess I'm tainted a little bit because I've, I've so, I'm just so used to these guys just killing it every night.
0: Yeah. I really actually enjoyed the match. I think it's a really good opener where it is on the card. Maybe if it was further on the card, I'd expect more from them. The abruptness of the finish isn't great, but Booker, until he gets to bookend, doesn't have a great finish. I don't know when he starts doing the bookend.
2: Yeah, he's been kind of wavering. Sometimes he does the Harlem hangover. Sometimes the scissors kick has ended matches. So, yeah, he's still yeah. he's still figuring some things out.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess we have to see, the as Fergus said, the time frame of it booker hasn't been a singles guy for a long time like he was just a tag team worker for so long that he's figuring out full matches and maybe they were toying with him as this as a finish i will agree this isn't eddie's most athletic outing but i think as i said at the start of the match this they're so good at getting the crowd involved and eddie's job here or what eddie made his job here was not to ever show off what he could do but to make the crowd hate him enough that they love Booker. I think Eddie actually does a great job of putting over Booker here and maybe was even asked to do that going into the match.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree on that. I just, I guess
0: I was expecting
1: more because yeah, of the two people involved.
0: They are amazing athletes. Uh, yeah, you you do wish you, you maybe you maybe saw a bit more out of them, a bit more like Ray has been doing in some of these opening matches. Uh, so after the match, Chava, who hasn't got involved at all, has just been sitting on a chair petulantly in the corner starts to like smirk a little bit. The commentators do a very good job of pointing it out that he's like half smiling at his uncle having just lost. And then after the match, Eddie kind of gets up in his face. Chavo finally pushes him back. Eddie pretends to be, you know, okay with it going. Yeah, go ahead. Fine. I got, I got out of line, but then attacks Chavo when his back is turned and absolutely just like rockets him into the barricade. It looks like he might've cracked some ribs hitting it and does scoop Sam onto the apron, leaving his nephew on the ramp.
2: This is the one aspect that I really enjoyed in the match. I think that's why I think I enjoy it a little bit more than Gus. Is mm. I, I, loved, I loved all the interplay from Eddie. Like he would jaw at Chavo says, aren't you going to do something? And li- little things like that that were bringing Chavo kind of into, the, into something here. Because Chavo really hasn't done anything in WCW. So and he's going to get a pay-per-view match next month. So I thought this was a nice introduction. So I, I actually really enjoyed this stuff. Um, and I thought it carried the match.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see if they do something with uh, Eddie and Chavo going forward. I know I don't really watch the Nitros, but they've had good matches in in, uh, WWE before. So I got to see uh, a special little segment that you guys didn't get to see. Uh, We got to see two of our favorite aspects of the podcast come together in Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, with the Internet Nerds and Lee Marshall. I let the fans hear what they said
3: for themselves. Awkward situation for you, Lex Luger, a man you said is like your brother, but later today in uncensored, you and your brother, Lex Luger, you're going to have to get into the ring and fight each other. What is that? That is a large song of the world. Lex Luger's going to find out tonight that large song of the world, a man with large song of the world, does what he wants. You know what? I wish you wrestled. What would you I wish Dom and a... what what wrestled. What would that be? Who Sting wrestle tonight? MWO guy, the he, he better he watch his heavyweight I'm gonna take before. my anger frustrated on you guys. You Sting. Yeah, the next time we see Lee Marshall may be in an ashtray somewhere. If he doesn't watch himself, maybe if we're lucky we won't see him. Well that purple challenge though was to you, Tony. Yeah, right. Well anyway, there you see Mark I know you
0: guys haven't heard yet. So basically the gist of it is he wants to fight everyone. They try and interview him and he's like, I wish you were a wrestler so I could beat you up. And I wish Tanay was a wrestler so I could go beat, beat him up. Beat up Tanay? <laughs> I think it's Tanay and, and Shivani, I think he says. He just wants to beat everyone up and he's full. I know he's not called it yet, but full pop a pump, dyed hair, tennis balls on his biceps for some reason. Just peak grossness. <laughs> He
2: literally changed his look overnight. I didn't think it was that that quick. Quick, Yeah, when he came out on Nitro, like even is like who's this guy? (laughs) Well, like I mean, you have to go back to like this is the first time they've seen this look. So yeah, he does look unrecognizable
1: compared to his like previous look. Bit of a sketchy haircut. Yeah,
0: it looks like he might have done it himself. Yeah, it's interesting. I do like like this fits Scott character as much as I make fun of him uh, because he still he's never been able to not stammer through. Interviews and he does it here. He has to restart a sentence one, one, or two times. This is just really good heel work. Like people hated Scott Steiner, and he's a dick, and it's just perfect to me. It's just perfect wrestling nonsense.
2: Yeah, I remember hating Scott Steiner particularly as a kid. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to his heel <laughs> run here to see yeah. if it holds up. If, if he was actually doing a good job, or if it was just go away heat for Young Connor.
0: <laughs> go away heat. I love it. X Pac heat.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a couple guys. Uh, I remember that the, the cat was particularly. I would always change the <laughs> channel when the cat did some promos. So I can't, oh I can't wait God. to get yeah. back
0: into his heel. Yeah, yeah heel cat. Yep.
2: Yeah. I'm the greatest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Second match of the night: Ahoovatude Guerrero versus Conan. We saw Ahu-Vie lose his mask to Jericho in the last pay per view, and Jericho's been doing some stuff with that. But this feud is about Conan being embarrassed of Guerrera for losing his mask and disrespecting the Lucha community, which is a little weird because Conan's, in the NWO. is that not a bit disrespectful of the Lucha community?
1: I mean, you have to ask, did Conan ever have a mask?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he's part also, of the Lucha community? Uh, <laughs> also, yeah, but in real life, merging with wrestling here, Conan did help bring people like Guerrera and Rey Mysterio into WCW. So it's kind of cool to bleed it in here and a logical match to let let these guys uh, get some pay-per-view time. They don't always do.
2: Yeah, simple story. Very effective. I've actually really enjoyed it. There was an awesome match on Nitro Thunder. I can't remember which show, but uh, Conan made uh, Hoovy wrestle Scott Norton.
0: Oh no! Ooh.
2: Technically a stipulation match that like he he had to beat Scott Norton in order to wrestle Conan. But of course, you know whatever we throw stipulations out the window. But Hoovy's kind of taken the role of Rey Mysterio here, so it's not that creative of his his role as a cruiserweight right now. But it's still very effective. Hoovy's actually we were unsure what he was going to be like after losing his mask, but no, he's actually been he's
0: been great. Yeah, I could kind of actually prefer his look without the mask. I know there is that coolness to the mask itself, but I, I hate elaborate luchador masks like his. I like ones like Rey that are a bit sleeker and less distracting, if that makes sense. But obviously a huge cultural difference that uh, that Mexican people would be much more used to than myself.
2: Yeah. It's just really cool to see the tr- full transformation for Hubi though. Cause today notes this like right, right away too that their first match was at fall brawl, 1996. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. That was a terrible match, and yeah. mm-hmm. Hoovy fell over the stairs in the beginning. <laughs> it was just, just both guys. I mean, Conan like he was Conan, still very rough, but he's obviously a lot more charismatic as an NWO member, though.
0: Yeah, it fits his personality <laughs> a lot better.
1: i um, <laughs> just laughing. You said charisma. And all I can, do, all I can hear in my head is, Arale!
2: Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's weird.
2: Like it, The catchphrases are are getting over. So it's like, are you a heel? Or are you yeah. gonna your
0: catchphrases over? Oh, well, I didn't know what Viva La Rasa meant. I just knew that Eddie Guerrero used to say it a lot. and I had to look this up. I do actually you guys don't know, know what it means.
2: means. What, what does it mean? No. So
0: literally translated, it means the race. As in Hispanic people, but what it means in like as a catchphrase is like the community. And so it makes a lot of sense that he's saying it so much in this match because he's like the community, the community. You know, you're okay. You've broken honor.
2: Huh.
0: So, okay. Yeah, I never knew what it meant. I just heard it as a kid and never bothered looking it up. But uh, yeah, Conan says it so much. I'm like, what? What does this even mean? Okay, I gotta go. A check broken it. clock <laughs> is right twice a day. All the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Conan also, as you've noted, does so much better with small opponents. I remember we had to cover him. Was it against you, Morris? He uh, was one of his matches that were terrible. Yeah, oh god, that was the worst. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <sighs> Conan just really doesn't, I think, know what to do as much with big opponents. Where he obviously just wrestles guys smaller than him in Mexico all the time, and it leads to some, I think, pretty cool spots from a guy that I normally don't give much credit to on this cast. He does the Indian deathlock with a guillotine. The front standing Indian death lock and locks on a guillotine that looks pretty cool. But that's not good. It looks strictly better than his finisher. You can't just slap a submission on in the middle of a match that looks way better than any of your other moves or finishers. The one
1: (laughs) thing that always bothers me about these, when they look that good, is why would you ever let them go?
0: Yeah, it looks like it hurts a lot. Don't let them go. Yeah.
1: (sighs) He's never been great
2: at submission holds either. They always look half-assed.
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Some later in the match. This is what I'm giving him credit for. There are a couple later in the match that I can note.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah.
0: UV selling for him like a hundred bucks. There's a full rotation on a, re- a released German suplex and for a slingshot landing upside down in the turnbuckle. Then Conan almost murders him when he does the rocking horse. Do you think this was intentional, guys? Holy crap!
2: Yeah, lazy. I,
0: I <laughs> yeah. I I think he doesn't check properly before dropping to his knees. So Hoovy instead of having his neck all the way backwards and landing like on his chest, like I think the spot's supposed to be he lands on the back of his head with Conan's full weight. And I think it's by accident because they let Hoovey just like roll out of the ring and walk around for a bit and Conan jaws with the ref to buy time to check if Hoovey's okay, I think. But <laughs> when he gets in the ring straight away again, he's just throwing him around like a rag doll. So I'm not sure.
2: I'll definitely post post this move on our Instagram or, or Twitter for sure because it is it was something I've never seen before.
0: Yeah, the fans can decide whether this was... a. Uh, a botch or a very ill advised bump. Back in the ring, Conan tries to release German Supex from the top rope. An actual um, move I really like from Conan. I haven't seen that many other people do it. But Hoovy lands straight on his feet and just starts stomping the crap out of Conan in the corner. I think one or two of the hits are a bit snug. I don't know if there are seats or not. But Conan's like proper covering up his head afterwards.
2: I said Hoovy's kind of like Ray, but I think Hoovy's like fire up offense is actually way better do you think that's
1: because of the lack of mask now
2: partially i think it's his hair he plays into Mm. his hair a lot like when he does like the headbang in the corner when he comes in that's definitely kind of become his like signature taunt so I, i think that's that's a part of it you can you can tell he gets really into it and he's really emotional so i think that really helps
0: yeah, it could, could be just expression. I think, though, uh, I think you have a point that uh, like power-ups like power ups or Hulk-outs or whatever you want to call them involve just stomping the crap out of someone or just hitting them a bunch where, hey, you know, we'll do a bunch of luchador moves and arm drags, and that's him getting fired up. So there's something more visceral about someone just stomping someone in a corner like Stone Cold got over doing it, right?
2: Yeah, that's it fits more of a style because like his 450 is like very flashy and that's kind of like what most of his other moves are They're, I mean, they are kind of like risky like like Ray's moves, but it just it's a different kind. It's like it's he throws his body around, I, I guess, like a little bit more while like Ray, he throws his body around a, to a certain extent. But he kind of like does kind of moves like her and Karana's and stuff like that instead of just kind of like launching his body. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it's finesse versus kind of, I don't know, the savagery of UV, I guess.
2: Yeah, like almost, it's almost reckless.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, that yeah. is a great, really good way to describe his character, I think. Another release, German, there's so many of them in this match, I swear Brock Lesnar was not it, puts U V in a lot of trouble, but he reverses a powerbomb attempt into an X-factor, gives Yuvi a chance to 450. He misses, but lands perfectly on his feet. Holy crap, that was impressive. Conan hits a cradle suplex for two, puts a low effort, kind of like condescending pin in, another slam after uv tries to reverse a move and conan goes for another nonchalant non-effort cocky pin but uv makes him pay by rolling him up with a crucifix pin for the win kind of like it he'll getting his come up ins, and i feel that uv you know young young open comer just lost his mask needs a win here i think you guys are gonna be surprised but i enjoyed this conan match i did not think i was (laughs) what
1: i did not think i was gonna (laughs) be be able to say that on the
0: podcast (laughs) Kind of had a feeling when after you started how you're talking. I was like, you like this match? I don't know why. (laughs) I think this is the best Conan can do. (laughs) That's a nasty thing to say about someone, but I think this is the best we're going to get out of Conan. (laughs) I can't be too critical. It's definitely
2: subtle. I I enjoyed the match. I wouldn't say it's the best. I think Conan was a little gassed, and (laughs) I think (laughs) he really—I think he really killed the crowd with all the holds. And like I said, he's not great at applying them, so I thought it was kind of wasted time there. But I, yeah, I think I think Hoovy carried the match. He's come so far with all this and I'm just continuing to be impressed by him. But yeah, I, I think Conan's this is definitely the best match we've covered from them so far.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to say maybe one and one third people wrestled at that match. Mm. <laughs> he, he was very lazy. Uh, like He just was very reckless with his suplexes with Hoovy and just assumed oh, yeah. that he could get away with it. And he's lucky that he did. I mean, they had to basically take a break in the middle of the match to make sure he hadn't killed them. Right guy won, though. That's the main thing. It's nice to see him get a victory. I hated the bit afterwards because it's yeah, really I lazy did. again. And I just didn't care. Like the crowd didn't, because the crowd didn't care one bit about Conan. This was worse than the first match, which isn't is saying much. So
0: I think Conan's a really interesting wrestler. As much as I'm hypercritical of him, he has some of these really cool moves but doesn't seem to know what to do when he gets gassed afterwards. So he has his cradle suplex. I think that's a really cool. I think he's using that as his finisher at the moment.
2: Yeah. It's a combination of that and the tequila sunrise. He's, he's definitely incorporated that now.
0: Yeah. So he's like, but when he does it to a luchador, he gets them to jump and it looks like he's just like launching them into this move and it gets a real nice velocity while actually being quite safe. And then he does a bunch of crap in between it. And then he does that really cool guillotine standing Indian at the start of the match. And then he barely knows how to do a suplex. The next second, he's such an enigma of a person that has this like three really creative spots, and then also doesn't oh, care man. at all for the rest of the match. The enigma, I don't know. En- enigma. <laughs> I-, I can imagine he has some good matches with more luchadors, but this match went about ten minutes, and I, I will agree with Gus. when he isn't doing some random cool move. The in-between bits are sloppy; they're not well structured. Uh, you you hit the nail on the head as well Connor when he puts in a submission it looks like he doesn't care it really looks like he's not putting any effort into it so why should I put effort into liking it but UV did a fantastic job selling did a fantastic job carrying this match
1: I'd love to find how he got so popular I'd love to find the wrestling where he kind of got over in Mexico just to see how he got to the point where he was should we do a
2: Conan arc on the podcast? Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna, I have to
0: gonna
1: have to look into it. i to no, have look okay. into it. I've got okay. I've got ideas forming in my head. <laughs> he
2: does get really over in WCW, like that. Yeah, when yeah. when I was a kid, like that, he was definitely
1: effective. I remember enjoying him with Filthy Animals, like so.
0: Yeah, he he does have some kind of charisma. Even uh, I I don't know if you guys have seen this, but even the Three Live Crew in TNA got over, even though all three members were. Well, past their <laughs> primes at that stage, and they're still mega over.
1: No, so you're I, I the didn't... only one who watched that tire fire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll make you guys watch a pay per view eventually. No, we're not doing any oh TNA God, No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there is something about him. He does have a very unique physique. He's like very tanky while still being at least like mobile, but yeah, yeah. agile. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think he is. I think. I hate to call people this, and obviously they do a very hard job, but I think he is a bit lazy at times. I think he loves the high spots and doesn't put enough effort into the minutiae of the match. Maybe he's also just constantly gassed, and it's hard to put effort in when you're gassed.
2: Uh, It's hard when you're in the NWO because you're not in matches every week and every pay-per-view. I'm sure that doesn't help. But as, As we bring up the NWO, though, that is a positive with this match. This is like the one match that doesn't have the NWO interfere with it so this is true this mm. is a plus <laughs> i mean used to it all the other matches are like if he
1: it. if he hadn't had the music would you even have known he was in the nwo i mean nope, other whatever, than the man, shirt, it's, it's course, not but... the it's
2: not the b theme music i think the b theme has retired because yeah. i haven't heard it in I over was, a month i was disgusted that he got the main music to be honest <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm, I'm disgust. i, I don't want to hear that
0: theme ever again no so it, it's probably a good I'm thing
1: happy. that the other one doesn't happen
0: well what if irs comes back does he get the team mm, the b team no. I think Virgil got the
2: A theme, so it's, oh, wow. it's fully oh, transformed. No.
0: <laughs> it means nothing anymore.
2: Don't worry, Goldberg squashed him in twenty seconds. It's
1: fine. Yeah, don't worry, he's not long <laughs> for the world either. So, <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> as Gus said uh, after the match, I think a little unnecessary. Uh, Conan kind of no sells a kick from uh, Hoovy, then hits another cradle suplex. Both men look gas at this stage. Is Hoovy's like, do you need to do another finisher? He then long darts him out of the ring in a pretty impressive way. But again, I I let the guy have his moment. He just lost his mask last week. What's your obsession with beating up luchadors? They do this to Ray sometimes as well. They're like, oh, the face won. That's not great. Let's pile more misery on top of him at the end of a match, you know? (laughs) After the match, we get Gene, uh, me and Gene talking to JJ Dillon on the ramp. And you guys are going to have to fill me in what happens here because I was asleep. J.J. Dillon will put me asleep if I ever have insomnia in my life. This is He's an absolute idiot because he's a charisma vacuum, I think.
1: He cannot cut a promo. What is uh, his problem?
0: You'd you
1: think after all the time he spent around somebody who's, like, one of the best promo men ever, he would know how to cut a promo.
0: <laughs> also, just, just like last month, they were like, well, Roddy Piper is, like, the unofficial official GM or whatever, and he can cut a promo kind of when he's not drunk. So why why not just have Piper do it instead of Dylan all the time? They are using Dylan so much now instead of like Because he's the actual suit. authority
1: figure, Dave. That's why. Oh, it's so boring. <laughs> There's an actual reason for him to be there,
0: unlike Piper. They're just justifying Piper's salary when he shows up. He talks about a giant asking him to make the power. Oh, this is so convoluted. I can barely read this. He's asking. <laughs> he's saying that the giant asked him to make the power bomb legal again for his match with Nash. He then goes into a long, long, Yeah, no excuses in the match. He goes on a long, winding, detailed story about how the Giant asked him. Then he asked Nash's legal team. And Nash's legal team enjoyed that the power bomb was legal. Then he went back to Giant, and Giant said yes again.
1: (laughs) He missed missed a crucial detail. They did a little dance, apparently. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Why did the story need this color? Why not just go, well, obviously Nash was more than happy to accept that the power bomb was legal. This could have been two seconds long. Instead, he had to tell us how he we went back and forth between the two parties. Does that make it more official? Also, you bond this move because it nearly crippled a human being. Why would you then be like, "Yep, let's bring that back"? The neck breaking move—that's that's good business.
1: Well,
2: and, and Giant delivered a power bomb to Nash, and yeah. apparently hurt his back doing it. So yeah, it's even more dangerous. Oh wow! Now. <laughs> but 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 Dylan said tonight and tonight only though. Only because it's uncensored. There's one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to the story. I will give credit because it does make sense because mm-hmm. the baby face is so angry. He will do whatever it takes to beat his, his foe. That's fair. That makes sense. That's cool. Everything else about it. as we Everything else to. about
2: is fucking <laughs> awful. Just yeah. wait until we
1: get to the match. It's even worse. Like, <laughs> cause I would like a very, very good example of this in action. Why doesn't the giant do this promo?
2: Yeah. He mentions it on Nitro, but yeah, it's if you don't have Nash or Dylan in the ring with him, yeah, it's pointless then. Yeah.
1: There's you no emotional this. reactions, there's no right there's no emotional content whatsoever because Dylan is apparently a vacuum cleaner with his delivery. So <laughs> And there's yeah.
2: there's you know stuff you can cut in a, you
0: know, promo package
2: <laughs> that you can <laughs> cut to.
0: You could have it even right before the match. You could have Nash yeah. like taunting Giant and Giant going, you know what, use as many power bombs as you want and I'm still going to beat you. It literally doesn't matter. And then you make Giants feel like a badass. You get like, Nash to be the sneaky heel and haven't got his move back. Instead, J.J. Dillon needs scream time because that young up-and-comer needs to get over, I think. It's just so useless. <laughs> it's such a waste of time.
2: Brings my favorite sign of the night, though. It's uh, Dean fears smiling. I thought that was. An
0: excellent sign. <laughs> he does. Oh, I, have a, I have a question,
1: actually. Does anybody understand the other one? I, I'm assuming this is the same guy. I'm, I might have missed it. The Emmett fears wild turkey. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> it's a guy in the in the entranceway ramp and he has it several times. And all I can think of is he fears whiskey. I don't is Emmett yeah. Smith fears wild turkey whiskey? Yeah. Like that's all I've got of like football, yeah. yeah.
2: Something something to do with football, I guess?
1: Yeah. Otherwise it's just his mate fears whiskey. <laughs> 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 Which, fair enough, it's still a better sign than Lodi's crap throughout the throughout the show. So
0: yeah, I forgot that was Lodi was actually a thing. I thought that like, why don't I make that fan I'll put a shirt on? Lodi is a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The third match of the night, and pretty famous match actually. I, I kind of forgot this yes. was coming up. Yes. Chris Jericho versus Dean Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And Chris has been a focal point of our podcast for a while, really building up his personality. And him and Malenko have kind of been going at it. The the ultra-famous promo. But I'll let Connor tell you about one of the most famous promos in Chris Jericho's career.
2: Well, no, it's not. See, I wasn't expecting this, Dave. So we haven't had the famous promo. So he actually brings out this 1,004 holds moniker before the actual promo
0: oh wow i so thought, that, I, I thought that was
2: like a one night only thing no this has actually been built for a couple weeks now he keeps bringing out every week something new so i think this month was the first time he, he said he talked with the wcw committee to change it nitro to monday night jericho and <laughs> he comes to the ring with Hoovy's mask and he even has ray Mysterio like mask on his tights and stuff and he'll wear like Rey Mysterio shirts so he's like he's calling back to all of his previous matches and just how great he is and every week he's just so smug and, and great like it's something new It's just such a treasure to see somebody so entertaining for once on WCW <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a real interesting point in his career because I think some stuff doesn't get that over but he's just throwing so much shit at the wall so much entertaining crap and so much of it is sticking that it doesn't matter when he does something that's not funny or doesn't really get over it. He just moves on to something new. It it feels like he has this freedom that people are just like, yeah, you're fucking killing it. Just go do more. We don't care. Just do what you feel is, is good at the moment, you know?
1: And not to be a downer considering the company that it is, but are, are they just being lucky here in that a, they don't care about the card that far down. And so they're just willing to go, yeah, you can have your time. And they just don't think that he's actually affecting it in any way. So they're like, yeah, do whatever you want because it doesn't matter.
0: So I feel the more that I read some of the, you know, gossip from that time, that that's not entirely true. though that that was kind of portrayed about the company because a lot of the guys that end up leaving, I think they do care. It's just that there's this really thick glass ceiling that they they're like, we care, we care. You're doing fine. We like you in the mid card, but the minute they you know gold the the infamous one is him challenging Goldberg later. Yeah, and they're like, no, no, Can't no wait no, to but, talk about that. Back in your box, like or when someone wants to face Hall or Nash. Not not as much Hall, but more Nashed. Like, oh no, 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 no. Back in your box. Like, yeah, yeah, we liked what you're doing in the mid card, but you're a mid carder. So it, it kind of feels like that. But yeah, it's hard to know backstage. There's just so much politicking and so much rumors from now. Maybe it is, maybe they're just not bothered watching Jericho, but he seems to get a lot of nitro time as well, right, Connor?
2: He does. In this book, he mentions that he always asked for like, "Hey, can I have a kind of a promo? Can I have a promo? Can I have a promo?" And there was like, and Bischoff would always just tell him like, "As long as it's quick," and he he was very masterful at just squeezing in just a little bit every week and something new. So I, I think that's a part of it, you know, like all this extra TV time and WCW just doesn't know how to fully utilize it yet, particularly just because they're kind of spinning their wheels of like, "What storylines do we do?" So we just. They just throw matches at you. And that's kind of what this pay-per-view is. And we'll see here. We basically only get one wrestler promo after this match. Other than that, it's match, 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 match. And that's basically what Nitro and Thunders are. There's no backstage segments at all. There's no like NWO might come in our limo like once in the past month, but there's no NWO promos It's just, it's all in ring. It's very, very just short-sighted. Just like, let's stay in the ring. Me and Gene, do your work. I think that's a part of it. It's just good timing by Jericho, I think, yeah. it's like more than anything.
1: That's what I was gonna say. To,
2: yeah,
0: that's to hard. follow
1: up is that it's he's in the right place at the right time and that he's the he's willing to ask for the time. So he's going, I need time, I need to do promos. This is how I'll get over and they're like, Yeah, yeah, sure, because they're like, Oh, this fixes a problem for me, but they don't actually consider that it might actually be helping their show. It's just he just gets to do something, they don't have to worry about five minutes. And it actually applies not at all to to how over and successful the show is in their brains, and he just gets to get away with it because it's not affecting what they think is important.
0: Yeah, now that that's 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 now that's a completely fair point. Maybe there is a there is an element of we noticed that the matches in the mid card were very thrown together, but if Chris is squeezing in his quick promos or his TV time like other people aren't, they're just going to default to Chris for a lot of stuff, right? They're like, well, he has the most coverage just get him out there. Get him out there again. It, like eventually, yeah. Uh,
1: provided yeah. he's good cuz I mean you never know like he could have been terrible and they could yeah. have given him like two three goals. and then they're like no no no, no. you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, it helps that
2: the crowd is reacting to
1: him too. Yeah. That's
2: that's the other thing. Like he is definitely getting the most sucks chance and and he plays it up just beautifully every week and he has clever ways to kind of stick it to him just a little bit but tries to get their their praise and little things like, you know, tearing up his own sign fan
1: signs, just little. Yeah. I want his jacket, by the way, mm, if anyone can find you know. that jacket. Yeah.
0: He's getting a little bit of extra cool gear. Every time we see him as well, Like he was pretty bland and his attire was pretty bland, but it's upgraded almost every month. I think at this stage, yeah. he has merch now. So yeah, he's an actual wrestler. <laughs> I, I also, we're not talking too much about Dean. I also very much like Dean for this where it's the, you know, he's doing his Iceman gimmick, but you have to play off that, and finally they are. He's, you're seeing chips in his armor, he's mad. And he had the same when he had early matches on with, I think it was the Eddie match we covered early on. He shows emotion, and it's fun that someone that's supposed to be emotionless, like, methodical guy shows those glimpses, it's character development, and he hasn't done it in a while, I think. Talking about another pretty great Jericho moment, his entrance here, he rips up a pro Jericho sign, 'Cause he's too good of a role model. He's too good of a person to be their role model, is what he says. And I love, I love that. Just find any excuse to rip up a sign.
2: Yeah, my, my my uh my favorite moment early in the match is uh he puts a hold on Dean and he goes, This is hold six forty three. Yeah. I wish it was an arm bar unfortunately, but <laughs> yeah it was it was still great.
1: It is, it's just a call out and you're like, Oh, you know your character way too well. This is amazing. <laughs>
2: But I, there is a problem with this gimmick though, because like it's kind—it's a fun gimmick, but at the at that point, like he has to prove that he puts hold on, which is kind of boring. Sure, yeah, yeah. but it it, it works because the Dean gets pissed off, so he kind of has to completely out wrestle him, and that's kind of you know what we get. And Jericho's just pissed.
0: Yeah, the start of the match is just Dean purposely, almost tauntingly out wrestling Jericho, tying him up in absolute knots and showing him who the real man of a thousand holds is. Uh, Jericho throwing tantrums and almost walking completely out of the match, threatens to walk completely up the ramp, comes back at the last moment, getting uh, milking that heel heat perfectly. Jericho spends all of the match uh, keeping his heelish behavior up. Even when he's uh, winning, he's shouting and complaining at the ref. I like when Dean has a rope break and he shouts at the ref, no, stop counting, ask him if he taps, ask him.
2: <laughs> My favorite piece of commentary, brain, he says, Jericho knows four more holds than Dean that he should use them. <laughs> Tony, you really believe that? And Brain's like, no, three, maybe even two, not four.
1: <laughs> that is fantastic. Bobby has some good ones on this show. I'll give him that. He's he's in good form. It's it's funny. He puts over the,
2: the really talented guys, like even going back, like, man, Bobby, you knew your shit, man.
0: Yeah. He tries harder when he knows it's going to be a good match, it seems. A very nice sequence and attempted comeback when Jericho goes for a suplex. Milenko tries to reverse it into the middle of the ring, but then Jericho reverses it into a dragon suplex. Very smooth by both guys. Look fantastic. Milenko uh, pulls a lot of reversals near the end of the match. He reverses a top rope back suplex into a crossbody for two, and later a top rope Rana into a top rope gut buster. And he does that spot a decent amount at this stage in his career. It always looks like he's going to shatter his knee. Oh my goodness, I hate that spot so much. It just looks painful, man. It's really, really well done. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, I wince every time because I'm like, there's no way Dean's knee isn't just in bits, and there's no way Jericho just hasn't cracked a rib every time. Jericho tries to line tamer a few times in this match, but Manko counters it every time. I just saw a little, he's like holding the back of the calf so he can't get the spin on. Little bits like that are what I really like about Dean's set. He finally locks it in at the end of the match when Dean goes for a drop kick but gets reversed, and Dean uh, struggles for the rope, but Jericho goes down to one knee to force the tap out. I, I enjoyed this match. Again, a, another match I enjoyed in the card. I, I don't know if it quite lives up to the reputation that this feud has, but perfectly acceptable to me. Typical, typical, Dave. <laughs> no,
2: I, I, the, the, feud, the feud definitely escalates, so I think that's... I don't think this is the most famous match of the whole no. feud, but yeah, it's, it's an okay match. I, I think it started a little slow. It, i like definitely wasn't the smoothest affair. I mean, I think Jericho delivered one of his better line salts for Jericho standards because yeah, he can be a little sloppy. With that, he
1: can so. be a bit all over the shop. Yeah. Without yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but I really enjoyed the, like the last like couple minutes of the, the match. I, I really liked the storytelling and it's a great contrast from, uh, an nwo match because this match felt like a big deal but that's mainly because of uh what we're going to talk about in just a minute
1: yep i love this match this match is 10 times better than the previous one and definitely better than the opener as well i think it's my favorite one on the card
0: i agree that it's really good and probably better than them but again I, i think i suffer from the same thing you did with booker and guerrero where i'm like that was great but i felt like both of these guys just have better in them you know
1: yeah, very possibly. I don't know. It just it works better because Chris has a greater command of his character than the other guys do. Agree.
0: I can agree on that. I mean, for sure. that's
1: a pretty high bar because Eddie has a good handle on his too. I just think he's just on another level to everybody else of that grouping of people around that time.
0: Yeah. I, I Also, I, I say that I expected more, but I can't wait to see where this feud goes. After the match, one of the saddest but funniest moments I've ever seen in wrestling. Mean Gene makes his way down to the ring Jericho thinks he's going to get interviewed for retaining his title But Gene just blows past him like he's a no one Which is funny Already Uh, Dean is distraught in the ring Uh, He can't believe that he's lost And he's almost welling up, acting really well here Commentators uh, making it out to be a big deal They've never seen Dean this emotional Over a loss, even when he does get emotional Mean Gene is a fucking savage And I'll let you guys hear, hear What he has to say to Dean
3: Dean Malenko Everybody thought coming into this match here tonight that you were going to beat Chris Jericho. I talked to people in Las Vegas, Nevada. The odds makers even picked you to win tonight. But you didn't. Look at him. Dean Malenko, I've known you since you've been a young man. I knew your great father that preceded you in this tremendous sport before you. Dean Malenko, this is a match that you should have won tonight, and you didn't. Dean Malenko, you are 0 for 4 in WCW mega events. I'm going to go back to Starcade. I'm going to call you on the carpet. You didn't win at Starcade, you didn't win at Sold Out, you didn't win at Super Brawl, and you didn't win here tonight. Now you are a bona fide loser. Holy smokes. Where does Dean Malenko go from here? Home. What does he mean by that? Doesn't mean like he's quit. Home? He's going home? Tony? I don't have a clue. The man answers no questions and then comes up with that for an answer. He's going home. Back to you, my yeah, friend. Yeah, he was raked across the coals by Gene Ockel and there's no doubt trying to get to the bottom of this. What
0: the fuck did Dean do to me and Gene? <laughs> <laughs> is is Gene actually Dean's
1: dad? Like, that- <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, bad, I'm disappointed. Like, yeah. it's
2: like,
0: if he has that to say about Malenko, what does he say about Virgil when we're not around? You know what I mean? This is, this is completely savage for no good reason. It, well, the problem is
2: it's just it's out of nowhere. If commentators yeah. have been like, like, oh man, Dean, he's 0-3. He's like, I'm a losing streak. He really needs to get back on the win column. Sure. But it's just like, Dean oh and four in the last four pay-per-views like oh, okay man lay off, <laughs>
1: yeah. Look off. the match is literally just ended give me a chance like
2: yeah fair play to, to dean like he usually doesn't get to like act and I, I thought he really you almost think he's gonna like tear up
0: so people have said this before and i haven't seen it. and dean a lot of his friends are like dean is the most charismatic out of all of us he just doesn't feel like he needs to play his character like that and you get to see it a little bit here because he goes to talk a couple of times. He like reels the crowd in until he finally says he's going home. And you expect him to say more and you expect an outpour, but he really like keeps people on a, a knife's edge here. And I, I think it's a real well done <laughs> besides Gene all of a sudden being a savage to the workers. I think it's a very well done spot.
2: <laughs> no, this was awesome. This was great. I yeah. I did not know this was part of the feud. I I know kind of the uh the promos as we go forward but yeah that all this beginning stuff i had no idea it was a part of the feud and makes me love it even more now
0: and after that high octane match and that emotional end we get a, a something as emotional and meaningful raven with the internet nerds and he's lisping really hard for a reason is there a call is this a callback from nitro or something connor or is you have any idea why he's doing this
2: no this is this is really weird. It, it it felt like like Raven doesn't know he's on it's terrible TV tape or anything yeah, like that. Like, it's yeah. so bad. What does he say? Revenge is gonna be served as a cold dish. Cold, cold Ra- yeah. Re- revenge a is a dish
1: a dish best served cold. But in hot like in hot Atlanta or whatever they'll still feel i don't know it doesn't make sense because he never makes sense that's the
0: thing it, it like. sounds like he bit his tongue and then was joking around with the guys backstage and they taped it and he's like oh that that's enough he's like what do you mean like, That that wasn't that wasn't serious he's like nope that's your character now nope too bad Lisp, <laughs> this thing weird guy <laughs> we, we can talk about this because it's going to come up in the timeline later but they do really go about giving raven's character some weird choices as they as we go ahead but We'll see when that happens. Match number four of the night, and it's muscle versus muscle, Scott Steiner versus Lex Luger. Uh, You would think after the last episode and uh, what Steiner did to his brother, this would be a Steiner versus Steiner match, but that would make too much sense. Shut up and stop thinking and watch the match. Steiner is looking like I'm used to. We talked about it earlier. He has the short, bleached blonde hair. He has the little goatee, the sunglasses. It looks like he's put tennis balls under his arms to hold nine yards. His gear isn't quite up to snuff yet, though.
2: No, and his moveset really isn't quite up there too, because he's still kind of doing his like fun suplexes, and he even does like the top rope Frankensteiner to like win his first match. But uh yeah, quickly he does adopt the standard recliner. So at least we got we got that under his belt.
0: They uh this match is very short. Luger gets attacked straight away when he hits the ring they brawl to the outside for a bit and they do one really impressive spot i want to uh point out luger is on the apron scott tries to suplex him to the inside but luger you know does the suplex to the outside and you think they're going to do the oh teetering teetering No, he just dumps scott to the outside of the ring holy crap.
2: yeah i've have, i have this noted too yeah this is something mm. that the un- undercard mid- midcard guys do it's like what luger's yeah. taking this bump <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's nuts and like I've seen Benoit or do just, it,
2: or just Scott. I'm sorry. I am sorry, no, but yeah. that's even more surprising because yeah, Scott Steiner he actually does some bumps in this match, which I am not used to seeing.
0: <laughs> yeah, over the guardrail too. Yeah, the over the guardrail clothesline. Scott Scott's making Luger look good in a short match. I will say, Luger has uh, we've seen Chris Benoit do this bump that Scott took there, but he usually does it so nasty. Luger, to his credit, has infinite control. He like completely turns his body and flips Scott in, I guess, the safest way you can do that ludicrous bump. Onto the floor, so I guess it was fine. Uger goes for the rack, but Steiner hits the low blow, the Ric Flair low blow, I call it, you know, the little kick from behind. Steiner locks in the recliner. This is when the match goes a bit nutty, but Lex is just in the ropes, like not a little bit, not one foot under it. Fully half his body <laughs> is just under the ropes, and the ref just doesn't break it up. And you can see Scott waiting for the ref to kind of stop what's happening. But the ref just keeps asking Luger if he's going to submit. So Scott just stops his finishing move in the middle of it for no reason. <laughs> and then he goes out of the ring to get a chair. And when he tries to bring the chair into the ring, the ref stops him and we start to hear the dog <laughs> chants. And Rick is standing behind him for the distraction. But then all of a sudden the ref lets Scott into the ring with the chair. And he's threatening to hit Rick from inside the ring with the chair. Luger punches Scott in the back of the head and that gets the three count in one of the oh, most bizarre finishes. It was a clothesline. Oh, clothesline. Yeah. forearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Bion-
0: and that gets the three count, I guess. At the same time as this happens, for some reason, Scott Norton attacks Rick Steiner outside of the ring who then sells it like Scott Norton's not even there <laughs> <laughs> and gets into the ring to stop Scott Steiner from attacking Luger with a chair. Rick then back body drops Steiner out of the ring. I'm like, okay, that's why Norton's there to catch Scott Steiner on the way down. No, Scott just takes the full bump to the outside of the ring.
2: Who is this guy? I've (laughs) never Uh, seen this before.
0: (laughs) The match started off pretty well, I thought. Like, they were making Luger look great. Steiner was showing off a bit of character. And then this descends into absolute nonsense at the end.
2: Welcome to Nitro every week. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this, is, this is
1: just WCW all the
2: time. Like,
1: oh my goodness.
2: So we're, we're doing these on pay-per-view now. It's really annoying.
1: Look on the bright side, guys, right? He did all of that in such a bad way. Like, I don't think Scott Steiner could come off any worse than how he did in the last two, two and a half minutes future
0: world champion uh, no problem yeah that's true that's true i as i said i felt bad i thought they were setting up for like a decent kind of hoss match they're like throwing each other about some cool spots they're playing to each other's strengths and then scott norton needed to be there also again why isn't he feuding with his brother the commentary try and put it over it's like well actually lex is maybe closer to the steiners than each other are
2: dave uh it's Scott says he's a better athlete. He went to a better school. It's like, oh, okay, Scott.
0: (laughs) I I remember that that gimmick from Scott. I'm smarter than you because I went to college is my favorite Scott Steiner gimmick. By far. By absolute far.
2: He has some of the heel persona, but I guess he leaves it for the internet
1: nerds.
0: (laughs) The nerds. (laughs) The man with the biggest arms gets to do the biggest things in the biggest places or something. Apparently,
1: to take lots of bumps is what he's going to do. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe, maybe he's trying to impress. Like, maybe, maybe this is Scott working his hardest. He's like, I got a bump for the big guys, you know? Nah,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> <He's>,
0: <laughs> just think it's, he just doesn't know cause, what to do because it's a tag match. He's like, I guess instead of standing on the apron, I'm supposed to bump now, right?
2: The MWO hasn't had the talk with him yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't leave your feet, <laughs> ever, ever.
0: ever. <laughs> Next match is uh, set to be a bit bit of a better affair. Match number five of the night, triple threat match, Raven, DDP, and Benoit for the US title that DDP currently holds. On paper, this, is, this has to be set for one of the best matches of the night. We saw Raven and Benoit feud before, and DDP is kind of inserting himself in the middle by feuding with Raven at the same time. And there is some like kind of backstage politicking going on here. Conor, th- does it feel like that on the nitros, or does this feel more organic on the nitros?
2: To me, it feels more organic when you just look at how they're presenting in nitros. Because to me, what I think it is, it kind of just looks like who are our top three mid card guys almost, and like I would probably put these guys up there. Um, it's yeah. probably fair to say that DDP is uh, probably shouldn't be in the mid card anymore, but like that's just where he is right now. And Raven, I would say, is probably one of the the best mid card deals for sure. Even though, like we we've kind of poked holes in his you know storyline with the flock, we don't like it that much. But still, people hate him. People want to see him getting beat up. So I think it's justified here.
0: So the the, the backstage politics thing that I'm referring to again, grain of salt taken from the observer. It's apparently, Benoit is not happy with this feud, and he feels like both other men are kind of using him for good matches and to get over so they're getting themselves over getting their own feud over while just having a good wrestler in between it doesn't look like that from the outside but like we're not privy to this stuff backstage obviously
1: i mean i'd be annoyed in his spot but at the same time chris you gotta learn how to cook promos
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's also kind of your job I, I, you're using me to have good matches yeah you're you're a wrestler that's kind of that's kind of your job <laughs>
2: you've seen DDP, right? You should be you know, <laughs> highlighting him as much as, as possible. And talking about like promo work, I think Raven cuts one of his best promos. Cause like we, we said like, he's, he's not, we've seen him cut some pretty awful promos, but I think there was actually one on a random thunder, which was <laughs> who, who knew, but like, it was really so cool. Like we he saw it then. Yeah. <laughs> saw it then, but it, it was cool though. Like he sat down in the corner and Tanae had to interview him. So it was kind of really like, really, you're going to sit down in the corner of the ring and I have to hold the mic. Well, all right, fine. Whatever. But the storyline is that he helped DDP when no one else would, when everybody despised him cuz he used to be like a huge eel that was very arrogant, but Raven complained that did you remember me? No. He went on to fame and glory, he didn't and he, de- he delivers his famous catchphrase that I love this is probably my favorite catchphrase of his is what about me? What about Raven? Yeah, we've been split on the flock and Raven, but like once you get past the nonsense, like it's like relatable emotion and I think like this is something that like you can kind of get behind not not the cryptic speeches about conformity and you know there's nothing more annoying than a whiny heel as we've seen with jericho it's just you know jealousy is a powerful emotion and i think it's just
0: beautifully used here by raven you see the same in his ecw stuff with tommy dreamer yeah you could argue the same stuff he flounders a bit against guys that don't know how to play against it when he can just give you a simple i grew up with tommy i fucking hate tommy and tommy's never going to be better than me that, that's that's something tangible that's something you can hold on to and you can do a bunch of nonsense around it but if you know if you just need a reason for two people to hate each other and that's how you start any feud well
2: yeah it's just one promo so it's not like it's all built around this and ddp i don't think it even responds as a promo but like <laughs> it's something it's something that's there and whatever you know other than that these guys have just been like tagging with each other and just kind of fighting each other it's your typical attitude there feud like Raven wrestles DDP, but Benoit interviews, you know, like just recycle, recycle, recycle. So yeah,
0: holding pattern to the pay-per-view.
2: Yeah, well, no, these guys keep interfering. So it has to be a no-DQ match. It, it makes sense. So at, at least it's we, we've had a logical build-up here. <laughs> yeah, it's Let's about, settle it.
0: It's about
1: the only stipulation that makes sense in the show.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we get the yeah. actual rule rundown before the match. It's triple threat, no tags, all three men in the ring, no rules and unlike traditional triple threats, who who are also no DQ, you can pin someone outside the ring. So uh, what's funny is uh, traditional triple threat matches after this, I don't know if they did before, but especially attitude error ones, all kind of follow this except for the falls count anywhere. We start getting more and more, well, no one can get disqualified because it can't become a singles match logic. Uh, maybe this is a bit of a kind of formula for what a lot of them become later on.
1: Yeah, this would be very early on. I Would need to check, but there hasn't been actually very many triple threat matches at all. Oh, wow! Well. By this point, yeah,
2: WWF, very few. Yeah,
1: I don't know for sure now where exactly the first one is and all that kind of history. I'd have to look into it, but yeah, they, ECW they just didn't had one happen, and
2: barely legal. Yeah, yeah,
1: they just don't, don't happen until the 90s. I would have thought,
0: I, I would bet that Dusty Rhodes booked one at some stage, but all men had cowbells on or something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'd be surprised, but but I i'm not sure see i'll have to check it i will have to look it up um to be sure but i i have this thing in the back of my head going ecw might have been the first one to do one like oh, the cool. one that connor is referencing might have been the very first at least notable yeah yeah I, I, i'll get the immersion breaking thing right out of the way it's no dq there are no rules the flock do not interfere in this match and it wrecks my head so much
2: <sighs> yeah it's my one <laughs> yeah critique of the match yeah
0: so i can get away with it a bit with raven but they don't explain enough again because the mid carters might not get enough promo time at a point you have to like bend your disbelief and go well this heel's a heel but he's being honorable he's like i need to beat these men straight up because that that's like i need that's me as a leader but he never says that so it is jarring because he never like that's never verbalized at some stage
2: they, they kind of play it up as the the other members of the flock are just kind of apathetic. Or, uh, <laughs> too lazy
0: to interfere. In obviously, he's
2: kind of the dick, but other than that, they're just they're like, eh, we don't feel like it. The commentary don't, they don't really carry that story thread in because it just happens on like random matches sometimes. So yeah yeah, it's it's kind of a weak story thread and
1: yeah whatever it's it it just annoys me because it's just like it's just a Chekhov's gun like every single show and you're just like they're sitting
2: right
0: I, in the front row I know
1: like why are they there annoyed. if they're not going to be involved
2: yeah I was expecting it
0: <laughs> yeah near the so, end at least not during the whole thing or whatever but I thought something would happen near the end I guess spoilers it doesn't but we'll, we'll jump into the match do one little. thing
1: they yeah do one thing that's it
0: We'll jump into the match a bit and talk about the the flock as we go. Uh, I like a lot of the spots they do in this match, but the first one they do is a bit tree stooges to me. (laughs) The the three-way tie-up, I think, sounds cool as a concept, but in practice, you might as well be putting your hand at your nose so they can't poke your eyes, you know? Why would someone tie up with two other people?
1: But Dave, they don't do it once. Not twice. Twice
0: but but <laughs> uh, rule and of three, you know. outside the ring, apparently. Right? You know nothing of comedy. <laughs> a rule of three, sir. A rule of three. The first one, they just all break up and smirk at each other. The second one is actually probably the best executed, where they do it, they break up and each one of them punches another member <laughs> of the match.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and then they do one and it spills like to the outside, which is a, a weird one. They go through a lot of pinfalls in this match. All three men just try it, and they end up getting broken up straight away, which leads to the match having this super frantic energy. While they do it later, I think a lot of traditional three ways after this use the formula of throw one person out the ring, have a singles match, have a three-way spot, throw one person out of the ring. But For long stretches, there's just three people in this ring breaking up pins, big move, break up a pin, double team, break up the pin, which isn't something we see very often.
2: Yeah, they don't abuse it, which is which is yeah. a big thing with triple threat matches. So yeah. Definitely in their favor with this. And it is good to note that this is not an elimination match. So whoever gets the pinfall wins the match. Yeah. I think only ECW would do the elimination.
0: Elimination ends a pretty long matches. It also kind of buries one person because they're the first person to go. It's not, it's not nice for their character. Every time there's two men brawling outside the ring, you better believe there's a dive. I think every person in this... Uh, <laughs> in this match gets a dive at one stage they stumble and fight the way up the ramp and uh now i wish, uh, wish dusty was on commentary to tell us about some rubber sharks
2: i have that noted I, I was really missing dusty on commentary because uh yeah when the kitchen sink comes
1: out yeah we need him yeah. <laughs> i i really hope that whoever it is got their crutches stolen and got something back
0: <laughs> yeah raven tries to get a trash can involved and he ends up with it over his head and some poor fans crutches broken over the trash can great spot crowd loved it though it's yeah. so random i just like <laughs> yeah. Where did they come from? i want. what? Okay. Well, it's the same yeah. with the kitchen sink. It feels so unnatural. Like, okay, some wooden breakable crutches you saw in an 1870s hospital are just waiting there. That's kind of weird. Um, sure. And someone just had a sink sitting there on the ramp. <laughs> like, was that plan? Was Benoit <laughs> like, I want a sink. That'll teach yeah, him.
2: Yeah, there's nobody having like a barbecue party around the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: that's I,
1: I will give them credit for. I don't know, I can't remember who points it out, but they reference DDP's experience in these kinds of matches
0: mm-hmm. since yeah. he's
1: already had this kind of match.
0: Yeah, Benoit and Raven worked together to take DDP out of the match, putting him through two of the uncensored kind of. They call them light boxes. I'm not sure that's a technical term, but commentary sure keep calling them light boxes. They're like light up signs.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, the the hollow sound breaks all illusion of danger. It's just like yeah. kind of curls up. It's like and uh, it's just a piece noise. of
1: plastic.
0: Yeah, and someone's obviously controlling the lights. It does a flicker on and off, like like it's, a, it's like a Halloween fucking scarehouse thing. Like flicker the lights on and off. Ooh, TDP's in trouble, and then they just take him out and throw them through another one. It's 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 a weird effect, but it serves to break the match back down to a one on one. Which I said they didn't go too often, but they do for this point. Benoit and Raven uh, brawling while well, Paige is out. They choke each other with a hose. <laughs> His brain calls it a snake. They're like, what's that? He's like, it's a snake. Yeah, random. <laughs> like, it, it's, the, it's a velvet rope, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raven just launches a table at Benoit at some stage. Just like, actually just throws it at him hits him right in the head. They brawl back down to the ring and Raven just goes for a legal low bow to take uh, control. Raven sets up for a dropped hole hold on the chair, but surprise, surprise, Raven is the one that gets dropped toe holded. I don't think he's ever successfully done that move to another person. Come <laughs> on. Scotty Riggs. I'm yeah. oh, sorry, Scotty the Riggs. <laughs> I said a person, not a jobber, okay? Oh. <laughs>
1: Mr. Big Shot here. Colin. Speaking of bobos <laughs> <local hosts. laughs> yeah. for Sky rings.
0: DDP crawls his way back to the ring, and it keeps showing shots of him, like just as if he's been shot trying to crawl his way back to the ring. Betmo whips Raven into the corner with the steel chair uh, wedged in it, and Raven's bumping like a madman for these things, just launches himself out of the ring with the chair.
2: Yeah, it's kind of cool on, on the Nitros. He's he's alluded to that he's that he worked in ECW, and he kind of with all the battles he's had, that like he expects pain and he can tolerate it and stuff. So it, it really makes him look like yeah, you can beat him up, but he's a killer. He can he can take a lot of pain. Lot yeah, he can just
0: come back a bit like the mankind character that would be around this time yeah. as well. Then while in a sleeper, and I get a, a a spot that I enjoyed in this match. DDP finally gets back on the, uh, in the ring and locks in a sleeper on Benoit, who still has Raven in a sleeper. And then Raven Jawbreaker's boatman to lead to a triple down. On the nine count, both um, Benoit and Raven get up. Benoit goes for his triple suplexes, Germans, but on the third one, DDP's up and he delivers the third suplex to Benoit for a triple. German, I guess he'd call this it. This was really cool, I thought. Yeah, yeah I, I like that spot. That was that was pretty cool. It's a really cool visual. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's not break it down with what that would actually do, logically, but it's it's a very cool visual. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't 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 <laughs> think about it. I
2: mean same same thing with the, yeah, the double sleeper spot. It's like, ah, come on. Like yeah, yeah it, it was a cool ECW spot. It's like, yeah, we're gonna mix it. So they're, they're being
0: well. creative. We made fun of some of the spots, but these guys are really trying to pull out some cool high spots for people to enjoy in this different kind of match raven hits ddp with a stop sign that's brought to him by the flock it's the classic ecw uh it the sign is covered in paper to say use my sign and that's that's fine that's a cool callback but there's a lot of stories of the ecw fans giving them like fucking cast iron pans (laughs) and shit that are covered so they don't know what they're hitting each other with
2: it's very nostalgic for this spot because it's it's very much in the video game so i was like ah (laughs) this this is the wcw i remember
0: nice (laughs) He then puts Page on a table and sets up for the corner. Chris turns on Raven, though, and hits him with the stop sign. Benoit goes to the corner and starts punching Raven on the top rope, getting the 10 count from the uh, crowd. Page makes it back to his feet, dumps Benoit to the outside, and he gets a diamond cutter off the top rope. Not quite through the table, though. The table, unfortunately, doesn't fully break, but still, I think, a nice looking spot. He didn't really clear the table, to be fair. So No, he so. took the full bump on the table.
2: <laughs> yeah, Raven didn't take the full bump for some reason. He lands on his feet and then kind of like land, yeah. gently lands into it. DDP doesn't get enough distance
1: himself.
0: Yeah. So so I think Raven actually hesitated. He's like, do I want to? Like if it, Raven had just let his body go flat, his ribs were going right into the side of that table. It would have been quite nasty.
2: Yeah, it, it's a dangerous bump.
0: <laughs> yeah i th- I also thought ddp's a big guy i thought he'd be big enough even without a big jump to break those prop tables but apparently not still he rolls raven over and he gets the three count after the match raven is romantically carried off by hammer and ben while reluctantly <laughs> shows some respect for ddp and helps him up onto his feet and i know ben we said was complaining about this match beforehand but at least he doesn't have to eat the pin here it is just a raven kind of ddp feud with an extra person enjoyable match. I think original, as we said, an early, an early look into triple trap matches, and these guys really tried to get it over.
2: Yeah, this is probably the one match that like I thought they built nicely. There's a lot of anticipation on the Nitros and Thunders, and I thought they kind of brought it up to a nice conclusion uh, to a certain degree, because obviously we're going to see this feud continue. But uh, yeah, I thought overall it was just really well booked. I, I thought even though like they, they copped out a little bit, I thought showing DDP kind of they would kind of cut to him kind of crawling up to it. So it was a nice way to break up the action. And I also thought DDP was going to lose the match. Part of the problem, knowing where, where the future goes, but I thought this was going to be the point because like, Oh, there's two other guys to finally take down DDP. So I thought this was going to be the time they were going to do it.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't have minded if they did either, because as you alluded to earlier, I, I would love if DDP was put into the main event at this point. And it doesn't like if, if Benoit just beats Raven or Raven beats Benoit, DDP comes out looking great, right? Yeah, I thought it was
1: really enjoyable. It manages not to slip into a pattern like the one that Dave describes, that most modern-day three-way matches are. So I thought it was really good. The spots were a bit... Some were great, some were a bit meh. But they did what they could. I mean, I think they played to their strengths mostly in that they made sure that DDP was the one who took all the rests so that the actual wrestlers could do their job. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no I enjoyed it Uh, you can see like there are some bits there's reasons for why like like Benoit isn't winning like he's I know it's a bit silly but he like at one point he has the trash can everybody else is down he holds it up nobody did anything and he's like oh and then he does a spot and people kind of react to him and then later on he does it again with the chair and he kind of gets a bit more reaction but not really much so yeah he's just missing something there's nothing to really get behind Benoit with and it's largely because he probably doesn't cut promos. I'm, I'm assuming, and or he's just not very good at them. But what does he gimmick? just need some
2: time? Uh, I, yeah, and he's finally away from the Horseman, so it's it just it's kind of jarring. So we just ha- kind of have to get used to it. But yeah, people are getting behind his finishers and his signature moves. So it's he's he's definitely getting momentum. But yeah, it's just compared to DDP and Raven, I think it's just it's tough.
0: So he's obviously always been a good wrestler, and I I, I think it's hard to deny that, even if you don't like his style. But look at his counterparts. Even, he has less character than Dean Malenko. The, the man renowned for being character characterless has more character in his matches and in, in his grasp of his personality than Chris does. And then even Perry Saturn, Chris Jericho, all these guys that end up jumping to WWE the same time kind of he does, all have way better characters and know how to work a character more than Chris does. I'm not sure Chris knows how to work a character And honestly, he doesn't know until he starts getting a big run like five years after this point. Mm, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And even then, it's like dragged out of him by people like Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle, some of the greatest personalities of that generation of wrestlers. So while Chris is renowned and he's a fantastic wrestler, at points after watching this, I think he's a little overrated because a wrestler is a complete package. It's not just being decent at throwing yourself about and giving yourself concussions, you know. Now to fall onto the other side of the spectrum, a man that's entirely character. <laughs> Match number six of the night is uh, huh. is Kevin Nash versus the Giant. In I think this is the third pay-per-view in a row we have this feud ongoing. The Jackhammer is banned. Uh, yeah. He almost murdered Giant in real life with it. And it's a feud it seems that Kevin Nash doesn't want to be in, according to speculation at the time, that Hogan is insistent that giant goes over Nash, but Nash doesn't even want to be in the feud, which comes across pretty well in the match.
2: At least giants getting more baby face pops from Mm. with him doing the power bomb. Now people are getting behind him. And uh, one of my favorite moments from, it was actually, it was a really good episode of thunder where the security team tries to arrest him, but the, the handcuffs are too small So they bring out like a huge chain and like a padlock. It's very cartoony, but it was still cool. So then, you know, Giants walking down and he eventually breaks out. The crowd goes nuts. So it's making Giant look like a monster. And it's a good way to kind of take away the the pops that Nash was getting. And now Giants kind of the hot one because now he's actually on TV, thankfully.
0: Yeah. Some actual real heat here for Nash, I think. The legitimate looked like he almost ended a man's career and almost reveling in the fact that he did. No matter how cool you put yourself across, is always getting get you booed by fans. So we all know that I think that Big Kevin Ash here is a bit lazy. Do you think his moniker of Big Sexy is the laziest nickname of all time?
1: Pretty obvious that he picked it himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: what's your gimmick, Kev? Well, I'm pretty big. I think I'm pretty attractive. I mean, Can we make no that a thing. Sexy.
1: yeah i mean he is an attractive dude like
0: yeah no no doubt no doubt (laughs) i just i don't know that's not really a characteristic trait i think if it is he's not really playing into it it's not like he's like ravishing rick rude or something i agree buying into the body and wearing the tight clothes he's just like yeah i'm good looking What of it i'm also pretty tall he's cool that's the point Big Daddy Cool is a good nickname, I guess. That was him, and as he well. uses that as well. <laughs> Giant out second with the big neck brace on. Was he wearing these? Uh, this at the nitros as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Definitely. I
0: don't know why
2: Giant takes forever to come
1: out. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's waiting for his music to start. Oh, it wrecks my head so much. Why yeah. does he that have fire? That reminds Kyra? me. I don't know why Raven. Yeah, Raven doesn't have
2: music. anymore yeah, Still, I, I forgot to annoying.
1: mention it with Raven. But like since we've had them both now, it just uh, fair enough. Raven's a heel that shouldn't matter as much, but Giants meant to be a good guy. Surely you want music so you can signal to your fans. Oh, look, the good guy is coming out. You better cheer now, as opposed to him toddling his way into the entrance way before four people go. Oh, look it's the giant. (laughs) And then they start cheering and then there's some pyro and you're like, oh, okay, this guy's a big deal. No, you should have music that you know who it is so that you can condition your fans to cheer for him.
2: <laughs> it wouldn't be like as contrasting if like, you know, your top uh, other heel like doesn't have like custom music for himself, so it's just
1: like <laughs>
0: yeah, that they paid on. for specifically. It's so fun. And I get the gimmick originally was he didn't care, right? He's too tough. No, he doesn't he care came out with the giant
1: music, or with the dungeon music. He had
0: music. Yeah. Oh, no, after that, like the gap after the dungeon dissolves or whatever for a while. The same with Raven, the gimmick is supposed to be he doesn't care and he barely belongs to the company. But then why give him Pyro? If he doesn't care about his entrance, why <laughs> yeah. give him Pyro? He obviously <laughs> cares about his entrance. He also taunts <laughs> to the Pyro. He's like, yeah, on time.
1: That also reminds me, they don't care enough to give Raven a T-shirt, so he has to get a shitty Nevermore Tour Band
0: shirt oh, to get his gimmick across. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good work. That's good work. I like that. <laughs> Not sure early on in the match sets up that he's a bit faster than Giant, a bit more agile doing uh bruce lee type kind of kung fu taunts to him oh
2: it's not bruce lee it's xbox i see. i don't don't know if he's actually doing xbox stuff but i had to be because (laughs) around this time uh six was being teased to come back but obviously he gets fired like just around this time so i think that may have been a call to his buddy
0: that would make more sense But he's soon shown up. Like, he doesn't even. I I thought they were going to play on this for a while in the match that Kev's too fast. But just after two taunts, he gets completely clotheslined out of his shoes by Giant. The rest of the match descends into kind of Kev focusing on the neck and bringing elbows to the back of the neck, locking his sleeper, doing like the guillotine while Giant is hanging out of the second rope. Uh, He then turns, he takes off the padding on Giant's neck. Turns him around and goes for another one, which is weird. Why would you turn him around? It makes no sense. But he gets the boot up to low blow. <laughs> Kev Nash in front of the ref. And The commentators like, was that a was was that a low blow? It had, had had to be stomach. Had, yeah, he had was had like had stomach. He was pointing to his tum- stomach. stomach. Yeah, that that's what I do. I I, I grasp my genitals and are all on the ground when I have stomach pain. It's I'm renowned for it. <laughs> Giant no sells a bunch of headbutts thrown at him and he uh and he throws some huge ones back repetitively. He scoops Sam's Nash and calls for the choke slam, but instead sets up for the jackknife power bomb, uh which the crowd go ballistic for. They really want to see Kev get jackknifed. But but Brian Adams in an NWO the <laughs> shirt comes down with a baseball bat. When has this been happening? Fill me in on this one, Connor. <laughs>
2: What do, what do you mean? What has been happening? And the old guys coming into the ring, or just Brian? <laughs> Brian
1: Adams in the NWO. We, we we talked about this. We talked about times it already.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? When? When did this happen?
1: Last this, month, randomly. This last month because I had to bring it up, and I said they're like, yeah, they added like four people into the stable, and I called them out, and you, and because they don't talk about them on the show.
0: I don't believe there. you. I, b- I
1: believe that this is Brian Adams' debut in the end of the I mean, you didn't even know who the tag team champions were, so I think your
0: credibility <laughs> is shot right now. So.
2: It is. I mean, to be fair, it's it's his pay per view
0: debut. So it sure. is his pay per view debut. <laughs> he breaks. Uh, he comes in with a baseball bat and starts uh, wailing on Giant uh, with it. Who knows? Uh, who knows the rules of being a monster? Never once leaves his feet, even though he's getting beaten by a baseball bat. Virgil and Conan come in and attack Giant in the corner, but he powers out and snaps the baseball bat with his hands. Pretty cool visual. Choke slams all around. Conan and Virgil again chokeslammed out of their boots. One for Brian Adams, but Nash breaks up with another baseball, breaking it, a baseball bat, breaking oh, it over it's Giant. So it's Very back.
1: painfully yeah. looking as well.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think he just well. I think he thought it was more gimmicked than it was, because he saw a Big Show just like break it. <laughs> it did look very yeah. painful. It's just, it's just where it impacts. It looks, looks yeah. particularly bad. Also, one of the shards smashes Adams in the face.
2: Yeah, it's not like over his back like, wh- yeah. like what Brian Adams did. It's just, here's your shoulder. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <Whomp>. Uh, <laughs> yep. Nash taunts, but Giant powers up again and sends the NWO running for their lives. This is where the gross bit of politicking comes in. Giant doesn't even get like the last word. He doesn't get to hit the jackknife, Firebomb on Nash in the pay-per-view or the Slam. Nash just kind of leaves. He's chasing them. He's chasing them. Like they're afraid
1: of them. They're legitimately running away. Like, but it's still, it's not great.
0: (laughs) No, it's a little, but it's as much as he's willing to give. And it's sad because I get, I get that it's not a nice position to be in a Nash and like feeling you should be one of the main eventers and having to job out to an up and comer a little bit. But come on, if you're, if you're in it, you might as well sell it. I, I think. I'll be fair
1: to Kevin Nash. He does a lot of selling in this. And I think he does... He does. He, yeah. He's he does. not lazy or anything. Like, it's just... No,
2: no. yeah. And the way they built the feud up, it yeah, it's, it's gotten better over it's the just the
0: situation months. outside of it causing it, all the problems. Yeah. It's sh- shit, yeah, 100%. Also, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed this match. I wish I had a bit more time. I kind of like the concept of Nash being the bigger... A big guy, but too fast. The faster of the two of them. And I thought they could have done a nice opening with that. But it's about five seconds of a match followed by a story angle. And it, it's unfortunate. It shows you
1: his athleticism yeah he's very athletic for a big dude
0: yeah here he is
2: yeah the co- commentary like it, you, for, you you always kind of take it for granted but like the commentary is like man can you believe that like J- the giant is thrown around nash like he's a big dude and he's just like easy slam here and it's just like jeez
0: i wonder what it must be is nash who obviously learned to bump and take these moves at some stage in his career Well, when's the last time you reckon he got scoop on this it, it, it is point. nice, and like these guys work well together, and I would have loved to see an actual proper feud given time and Boatman considered mm-hmm. and a proper ending to it. But I guess this is what, what we get, and it was it was fine for what it was, I think.
2: So w- one thing I have to bring up that uh, I'm not sure if you guys noticed um, is a uh, breaking news development on, on Nitro. So the commentators mentioned that the thrown over the top rope rule has oh, officially yeah, yeah. been abandoned. This, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I I was just like of all,
1: <laughs> of all the matches to feature that thing they're like oh normally that would have been a DQ but little did you guys know <laughs> <You're> Like <laughs> they have been what? just repeating this like over and over like okay we,
2: we've known for the past like two years <laughs> you don't call for this
0: it's such oh, a man. weird remnant of the old WCW as well like back when you who was it was it Watts that didn't let people go to the top rope eater.
1: Yeah, Bill Watts. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's from like that kind of era of wrestling. But they, just a rule they kind of left there for ages. Yeah, just forget about it. We'll forget about it. You know,
2: right? Don't don't mention it. Please. Just never
0: mention it existed. <laughs> After this match, we get a uh, we get Gene pimping out the hotline. He says he isn't a gossip, but he also runs a hotline. Damn things don't add up. Match number seven of the night, and I want you to guess which company you we're watching as Hennig and Rick Rude face off against Bret Hart. Are you watching Raw from five years prior to this? Or are you watching current uh, WCW? We'll see. Rude's managing Hennig tonight, and uh, they build up the kind of relationship they've had for years, going to the same school in Minnesota, apparently, which I didn't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, there's tons of them all from Minnesota. Hennig and Rude have no NWO gear at all. Rude is in just a full brown suit, and Hennig is just in his WWF gear no change at all not black doesn't have nwo written anywhere on it doesn't have an nwo t-shirt coming to the ring just might as well be a couple years ago when he was wrestling for the other company kind of weird right
2: i I I think it's his pay-per-view gear on nitros i'm pretty sure he has like a a nwo shirt on yeah
1: i mean he's worn this gear several times already on pay-per-view so
0: I thought, but I thought the further it went along. Maybe they weren't ready for him. Maybe they were making more, new wardrobe for him or something. You know what I mean? But this is just going to be his gear, I guess.
1: I think you think that companies do far more things than they actually do, Dave. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Because he's fair. responsible for his gear. The company wouldn't be.
0: That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah.
2: But the company should be responsible for the storyline of this match, which
1: is... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's
2: recycled from the WWF, of course. Yep. But it's also like... The NWO higher ups told Hennig to take out Bret Hart because you know Bret's such a huge threat. He's one one guy, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's just one
0: guy that wasn't even on the last pay per view.
2: <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Like in general, too, if when you look at Bret, like by himself, like yeah, he's good in the ring, but like, is he a threat to a group like the NWO? Like, I don't know. Like, so the storyline I mean, just it's really weak.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they haven't done a very good job of introducing a guy who's mm, probably no. the most over guy. Six months
0: ago. <laughs> yeah, over guy in the wrestling world. <laughs> Insane. Uh, Brett is also wearing, uh, the commentators uh, point out he's wearing a semi amateur hockey team he owns called the Calgary Hitmen. They still exist. I looked them up. Uh, and yeah, they, they got in a lot of trouble. The jersey he has on is like a Jason Voorhees type mask, but with his colors. And people are like, you can't have a serial killer. <laughs> On your hockey jerseys, we're having huge violence issues in the sport, and to a it for years. So a little bit of a Wikipedia study there about Bret Hart's hockey team. This match is very indicative of nearly any match Brett and Hennig had, but not not as good as their best. Chain wrestling. Uh, Hennig pulls. There's a rest hold that Brett has at the start when he's out, like wrestling the bad guy, and Hennig pulls the hair while he has him in like a front face lock or headlock. And he won't stop pulling it. And it frustrated the fuck out of me. The ref was like, okay, let go. Let go of the hair now. And he like shakes Henning's arm. He's like, okay, time to let go. And the ref never does a count. He's like, let go of his hair. And I swear it went on for about five years of the ref asking Henning to let go of Brett's hair. Oh my God, it annoyed me. Did you guys notice this? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the whole
2: match. It Goes on for forever. Hart, <laughs> yeah, Bret Hart applies another headlock, another headlock. It just goes on and
0: on. But it's the hair pulling. Why does he keep pulling Bret's hair? It's so fucking. <laughs> it's so irritating. Dave,
1: the match is so reminiscent of previous matches they've had. They reference it. They talk to Bobby about yeah, it, and he's like, "So oh, awkward." I was there. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, we're going to talk about WBF now." I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you were the you were his manager? No. He's like, no, I wasn't managing at that point. I was commentating. You're like,
0: okay. um." (laughs) Uh, The the match really doesn't break any routine until Rude starts getting involved. So in the ring, there's a sharpshooter middle of the ring by Brett on Hennig. Referee's checking on Hennig. And Rude just gets into the ring and punches him full in the face bails to the outside and I love this the nonchalant face on Rude road when the ref is like did you do that and he's like what no I'm how can I get, I'm not that fast
2: he gets out lightning fast too which is yeah. uh, really well done what brings together this moment too is the fans the Mark fans are just pointing at him like he did it
0: he did it <laughs> yeah. go get him come okay. on ref come like, on ref he's like <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I love that like how is a ref not disqualifying someone there do you think Brett just took a heart attack in the middle of the ring <laughs> Did a fan hit him with a with an object? He does it a couple times in the match where he when the ref starts looking, he doesn't even look at the match at the action. Rude is just like looking off into the distance, like, oh fancy that. You know. So Rude is by far the most entertaining part of this match, I think. Oh yeah. So throughout the match, when uh, Rude is interfering, hennig keeps working on the leg again, super reminiscent of every match hennig has had with uh Brett. Weirdly, Brett just stops selling the leg. On his comeback, just completely doesn't sell it at all, which is not like Brett. Uh, Oh, it
1: is. I'm going to interject here. It is a 100% thing Brett does all the time.
0: Really? Because he
1: always uses that leg for the sharpshooter. So he always forgets. And as soon as he goes into his five moves of doom, all selling is forgotten.
0: (laughs) He he just does it so badly here because there's never, I've seen people not selling him. We talked to uh, who did it earlier in the night. Booker. booker booker did as well but at least booker for the first three moves he does you know he slaps his knee or he adjusts the brace around it brett might as well have just stood up in the middle of a move and went nah and just <laughs> punched hennig it was real weird and then hennig just out of nowhere hits a fisherman suplex his finish and brett just kicks out <laughs> just no ceremony to any of it no drama just oh, just kick out your finish Rude is furious because the finish got kicked out of, but I don't know why he's mad. It was a clean kick out at two. It wasn't even close.
1: Because if you'd been listening to the commentators, nobody's kicked out of the perfect plaques. No. And Pretty that's sure. the first person. And that's why they're so apoplectic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Brett pushes Hennig into Rude, goes for the roll-up. Hennig rolls through, gets a handful of tights, but only a two. Sunset flipped the tap by uh, Hennig to finish the match but Brett reverses into a sharpshooter and he taps out center of the ring before Rude comes in and breaks it up.
2: What the hell was that?
0: Kind of boring, right? This The me? last
1: two minutes is great, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah, they're sure. doing for 15 minutes.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is Brett Hart and this is Kurt Hennig. Like we've, these guys are great in the ring. I don't know what this was.
0: They felt like they didn't care. For Kurt, it's
1: definitely a, the past is the past. He He's not capable anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think oh, he's sure. up to it at this stage. But Brett, I don't know what's. Oh, I don't know what's going on with Brett. Like,
2: well, yeah,
1: again, we. I think we have to bring it up. I think every time he wrestles, it's like
2: Screwjob's not that far away, and he's still having to like listen to interviews from like Vince. I think he was on off the record. Yeah. Like, oh all yeah. Around yeah, this time, true, so yeah. he is still living in that. So he is. He's not there mentally for sure. Yeah, I hate to like bring that up as an excuse, but like I can't think of anything else really.
1: Well. I think the other part of it is the company he's now part of being probably not as good structurally. And once he realizes it, he's like, Oh man, oh fun, yes, man. obviously everything is shit and he had to leave, but he's like, Oh, this company sucks. And they're like really lucky to still be around. And I'm not going to get treated correctly. And this is a shit, absolute shithole. They don't have any clue of how to use me uh, <laughs> because what? he's gone from being the biggest wrestler in the world to, Randomly on this match on a pay-per-view that nobody gives a shit about. Nobody's reacting whatsoever to the match. And it's just, oh.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I've always had a huge amount of sympathy for Brett. Even people who call him bitter or like over-entitled and stuff. He did nothing wrong, right? Is a big kick in the teeth for Brett for so long. He got given a bigger contract. He didn't like completely wreck them on the contract. Vince offered it to him. Then he kept wrestling and doing his best, and Vince is like, "Actually, we can't afford to pay your contract." He's like, "Oh, okay, well, okay. Well, you offered it to me, not like I didn't force you to offer that to me." Then he gets like, <laughs> "Then he's like, match the offer of WCW. I want to stay in your company, and wrestle for you." And he's like, "Nah, you're too expensive. Go to WCW. I don't care." Gets fucked by the <laughs> screw job, and now lands in a company that is run by clowns. And <laughs> reading the Observer stuff, I didn't know it was this early. Apparently, multiple people already want to leave WCW, even though it's still winning the war. People are like, I want out of here. This is this is a joke, which is insane to think of, I think, at this stage, the amount of money they're making.
2: But they realize there's, there's nowhere to go. And I, th- I think well, even Brett's like, it's not more just like he wants... I I know he wants like matches with Hogan and stuff, but like even I'm sure he's just disappointed. Like he wants to work with like different guys too. Yeah. I know he wants to wrestle like guys like Benoit and stuff and, and Malenko or something like that, but it's just like, nope, we're going to go back to old faithful guy. You've wrestled. Let's go Kurt long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Good old Kurt. I'm sure he was fine with wrestling him, but it's just like his creative juices. He wants something new and fresh
0: yeah it's kind of sad to see because this match isn't bad i can't point that out and go it's awful it's just oh it is bad i, I think it it's bad,
1: bad
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just average it's so boring they try nothing you can see in boatman are just going through the motions they know they have a hundred times before and then rick rude's awesome obviously after the match uh rude runs in and uh has a post-match beat down even hitting the rude awakening i can kind have of popped for the rude awakening and yeah, Rude seems to be the only guy interested in doing any business here. He brings a bit of enthusiasm to the attack afterwards and the drawing. And man, I'd love to see Rude manage the outsiders or something like that after seeing this.
1: Mm. He's great. Yeah. yeah. His his punching motion is one of my favorites for how cartoony it is. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I don't know if you noticed he like completely whips around his entire body like he does like an almost a 180 into it while he's jumping into the stamp and it's just nobody punches like that like that's clearly clearly fake punching going on but it works and it just looks looks great i also wanted to point out the the commentary go like oh chalk up another win for the war i'm like what war what are you on about (laughs) yeah that's
2: kind of what i meant by like we're in this holding pattern with wcw they don't know what to do like it's another big problem with this kind of angle of the who's fighting for the supremacy of the NWO. We finally have him on the ropes. Like, no, not really.
0: Yeah. Match number eight, and not the main event, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Hall with his young up-and-coming manager Dusty Rhodes versus Sting, the current WCW champion. Scott Hall winning uh his number one contendership at World War Three and has had to wait this long because of the kind of ongoing weird Sting Hogan Scott Hall feud. Has this become more clear cut on nitros? Has like Hall been like straight up in like the crosshairs of Sting, or
2: sort of? They just have matches. It's there's really nothing interesting with this feud. Scott just says I'm better than you, and really nothing interesting with the match. It's
0: it's very boring. Oh, that's a, that's disappointing. Like I'm not saying Scott should win the title here, as much as I'm a big fan of of Hall. But even not giving Scott the the limelight to put Sting over, like he should be put over by a good athlete. I think it's a great second feud for champion Sting as well. Uh, like a guy that can have a really good match if they wanted him to. Or real good character work, because Hall can do a bit of it all. But yeah, there's so much sheen taken off this. The second match, Sting was your most over wrestler for a year. It just
2: doesn't seem like they know what to do with Sting. You know, if we're going to have him talk again, it, it should have some... It had some strength, but it, like we need to, if we're going to be playing the WCW versus NWO thing, like he has to speak to that. There was a reason why he left, right? So it's like we have to address that and it just, it doesn't seem, yeah, eh, it's forgotten, whatever. He's this different character now.
0: It's very odd. Even odder still is him no-selling his own pyro, which I love. That
1: <laughs> and yeah, he walks out too, which
2: is. I wanted to ask that, hmm.
0: guys. Yeah.
1: How would you describe his entrance? Blonde as fuck. Connor? yeah that's pretty yeah. much what i would say <laughs> I, I i would agree i would not call it the most electrifying entrance in the world <laughs> which is what tony says i, know. Come I have on. I'm like i know the dude like doesn't even like respond to his on pyro it's a really plodding type song and oh, it's just <laughs> i mean not to spoil too much but obviously they couldn't afford to pay for two uh for two goes from the from the rooftop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's real fucking weird. It's uh, especially since one of those big entrances was that light show, that laser show that made a raven and stuff. Pyro doesn't seem very crowesque, You know, it doesn't seem very brooding or dark or anti-hero. Pyro's a very normal baby face. So I think he's correct not to respond to it, but then why have it at all? This match is very normal Hall stuff. This is kind of a lot of the stuff we've seen him do in in pay-per-views, tag matches when, well, I guess he still has the championship, but when he had the championship, Uh, he steals the belt at first off the ref and does a tug-of-war with Sting, but Sting just gets pissed off at it and (laughs) and beats him up and sends him to the outside. Hall hits a chokeslam early on and then taunts the giant as if he's still like Feuding with him, yeah, it's, just his new,
2: it's just his new spot. I, he likes doing that. <laughs> <laughs> just a
0: Frankenstein walk afterwards. I'm like, okay, poor giant. You know, doesn't get put over and now gets taunted in the co-main event. Uh, Sting pops straight back up and uh, dispatches of Hall, sending him bumbling to the outside. We're getting very cartoonish Hall for this one. When both men are down, Hall grabs a ref to distract them. And Dusty sneaks into the ring like he's a cartoon cat. Oh my god, I was living for this! Just a big, exaggerated tiptoes so the ref can't hear him coming up from behind. But then he hits the bionic elbow on, on a down sting, which is the loudest thing. Dusty's like three hundred kilo, three hundred pounds, just dropping an elbow, it's 300 making huge really Jesus,
1: yeah, yeah, three hundred <laughs>
0: pounds, and then just rolls out of the ring, real sneaky again. If you didn't want the ref to hear you, don't hit a fucking damn elbow drop, Dusty. And don't take—he takes forever too. It, it's
2: not—it's
0: yeah, yeah. not, not subtle. <laughs> the sneaking is so funny, just like right on his tiptoes, like an evil character, like a Vondel <laughs> <Dylan laughs> character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you he almost heard that. Yeah, piano noise while so he's doing it. Hall gets the cover, but the bionic elbow doesn't put anyone away anymore, and he only gets a two count. Sting stops selling. He does the the Hulk out and knocks Hall down. Sting locks in the Scorpion Deathlock, but lets it go to go beat up Dusty on the apron, which I think is kind of weird. Well, Left tries to break this all up. He gets sandwiched in the corner and knocked out, and uh, Dusty gives Hall a foreign object to hit Sting, but only gets another two-counter, Heroes Invincible. Sting managing to kick out again and again. Hall calls for the Outsider's Edge. He's fed up with this match, but Sting slips out the back and hits a Scorpion drop for the win. Short, sweet, and cartoonish—not exactly the match I expected from these guys.
2: I actually thought this match was okay. Yeah, part of what I liked better was Sting finally showed some emotion and fire. Like it—it it, it looks like he's in way better shape compared to a Hogan squash match. but this one was actually competitive. So yeah, you can actually watch it and digest it. Sting even pulls out a nice drop kick, and he does this cool scorpion death drop. So yeah, giving the fans what they want.
1: Major props to the cameraman they nailed the camera work on the ref bump so it's it's amazing looking (laughs) Um, (laughs) he has like the the glazed look oh oh, it's fantastic also man you can really see what's happened to mark if you know the backstory behind it you're like oh okay fair enough because he he really does look emaciated there
0: He looks very skinny yeah i I don't know the backstory to that what is that so
1: that's that's brian Hildebrand, dave yeah who's this long time wrestler but mainly mainly referee towards the end uh, he gets bowel cancer. It's cancer oh, anyway.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah So he this is like, came
1: he'd just come back from surgery and chemo and stuff. So that's why he's like really, really, really jaundiced looking in it. So it's cool to see oh, him. Oh, okay. Like, but uh, yeah, it, it actually kind of distracted me for a while. Cause I was like, man, he looks terrible. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I guess the biggest thing that puts me off the match is it's not really a pay-per-view match. No. I definitely wouldn't have paid to see that match.
0: Especially knowing the men involved. It's not like when, when this happens with a Hogan or a Piper, you're like, yeah, they're limited. We're there to just see their personality and faces. These these guys are good wrestlers at this point.
2: We've kind of mentioned before, it's the huge problem with World War Three being scheduled in November. It was just ages ago. I mean, Dave, you didn't even remember the, the match. So it just, yeah. Can you imagine the, the audience remembering this? You know, it's just... Even,
1: I know it got it got pushed back a little bit because of the
0: storyline they tried to tell, but even if it hadn't been pushed, it's still really far away. I'll give Hall props, though, here. I don't think it's a pay-per-view match, but I think he tries to put this thing over. Like, he tries to make himself... He bumps a bunch. He makes himself look like an idiot at multiple points. It's two on one. Dusty gets a, his actual finisher in and still gets kicked kicked out of... Like, the, I like the little work at the end when you know, Hall's playful through the whole match. But then when it's time to finish it, he looks furious when he's going for the Outsider's Edge. He's like, fuck this, it's Dawn, Outsider's Edge, and still gets beat straight up. I, I think he, they make Sting look great, and I think that's very important after what Hogan's been doing.
2: And even though that they haven't really treated the Sting character with a, with a lot of care, crowds still erupt for him. So yeah. at least the crowd, it's, it's not as, the crowd's not as over with him as, uh, obviously, in 97. Like, we're not getting the Sting chance anymore, really. Maybe once in a while, but nowhere near where it used to be. When thinking about Scott Hall, though, I, w- I was thinking about this question: Do you would you guys say this is the peak of his career? Because sadly, he checks into rehab right after this. Right after
1: this, yeah. Oh wow! And
2: uh,
0: I think the actual debut. I think like him coming out and getting those massive reactions. Maybe a couple of weeks in, or maybe even when Ho- unfortunately, you know, someone else's spotlight. But when Hogan joins the NWO. Because that kind of reaction has, I don't has, think has been duplicated since. Yeah,
1: that's pretty fair to say. I guess you could probably argue then that it's like the run-up to winning the title shot. Yeah. Because that's okay. where they think they consider him the threat then at that point. His wrestling peak is probably well before then.
2: Yeah, for sure. But when you look at the career though, like we're not going to see him next pay-per-view. He's not on Bachelor of the Beach either. Like he's kind of, he's a very different role going forward and... Yeah. He's never the same again. Obviously, mentally, because of Spicoli and abuse and everything. Yeah. The only notable feuds I can think of are obviously the one with Nash that we'll cover it Halloween Havoc, and then he has the brief stint with Goldberg after that. You now he has some mid card title runs after that, but you know that's just dumpster fire WCW, so yeah, very, very forgettable stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing to think as well. I'm I'm trying to rack my brain because when Dave said it, he's like, oh, you set him up for the outsider edge, and I'm gone. I can't remember him ever hitting his finisher <laughs> in no. all of the matches I think we've covered. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's
2: what, yeah, it's, it's nitro stuff. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure he has actually hit his finisher. I would think at least one match we've
0: watched. But I, I think it's once in a tag team title defense. After yeah, a bunch of that, that's the one
1: that's kind of yeah. slowly peeking out of my brain. There, I'm like, on. I think he won a match against like the against Taku or someone with the Outsiders Edge, like mm-hmm, that yeah, Triple yeah. Threat or something. But but outside of that, I'm like, going, yeah, he... He ne- he very rarely wins uh, on pay per view, and I think that's to his credit. He is his bumping is cartoonish, but that's the way he always bumps. Yeah, so yeah, I 100%. think it works for him. So yeah, it's it's a shame that this is pretty much it. Uh, if only, well,
0: yeah, it's 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 one of the biggest if onlys I think in wrestling history because it, it gets forgotten sometimes because he's so famous anyway. He was part of the biggest angle of wrestling history, but like, what happens if he stayed sober and? Does he become a world champion? Like, do they just keep pushing him because he's very obviously like in line as the next NWO guy? Like, I think as much as Macho's worked his way into this with Hogan, it could have been easily been like Hogan versus Hall for the control of NWO, and it could have been like a warfare NWO warfare between those two factions where we're looking to give Hall the title at the end. Dave, of Dave, that sounds too interesting. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, too, too Conflict, much fantasy. No. Too much fantasy booking, probably by me. But yeah, it no, like get, obviously get back you can't to
1: real stuff, which is the main event. Okay,
0: <laughs> back to reality. But yeah, he he is this big. What if like he is famous, but could he be like a top five guy ever if he was just that? If he was sober, probably, you know? probably
2: not. But
1: nah, yeah. I don't I don't think he'd ever come close to that.
2: But yeah, definitely better than this, though.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: poor Hall and poor us because we're on to match. Nine, the main event of the evening somehow, and the superpowers have imploded and are wait no, sorry, um, NWO is fighting. I guess this isn't a cage. for some they reason.
1: The mega powers. Dave. Oh, I'm sorry, the mega powers. <laughs> Apologies.
0: They're just—he's uh, he's
2: just doing it on purpose at this point.
0: I know. It's, yeah, it's so. And I'll call him on it. <laughs> it's so unique to me. Uh, it's unique. It's so weird to me that basically this company was going in the toilet. Because they hired Hogan and Savage, and no one was interested in seeing stupid Hogan and Savage stuff anymore. Bad ratings, no good return on their money and their stars, not developing new stars. It was a real problem. Up to that like triple cage match with the fucking dungeon, they had a whole stable just to fight Hulk Hogan. And we finally got rid of that. We have Hulk in an interesting new role, and we have the NWO, and it's all different. Except now it's all the same. It always just comes back to Randy and Hulk. Yeah, I can see why people were not enjoying their time in this company. Why are these two men still at the top of the card? Why are they having the main event in a very like important time in the development of this company?
2: At the same time, this is a very throwaway pay-per-view, so I guess it's like, eh, easy. It's just like the easy thing to, to fall back yeah, on. Yeah, easy money. It is. And it's like, you have to utilize Hogan, so I guess this is a good way to do it, I guess. If they utilize the storytelling better, that's what it always comes back to. And just like some of the, some of the storytelling was fine. Some of the promos were fun. Some of the matches were, you know, cool, but you have to, you have to bring some kind of, some kind of progression of storytelling.
0: Yeah. Not just Hogan be fine at the end of everything, every time, you know, it's, and what's what it seems, as you said, it's, it doesn't even make sense. The story the commentators are telling are not the same story that the wrestlers are telling. They're going into business for themselves. Well, that's,
2: that's what I keep telling you. So, yeah. you know, if this is the battle for N- the NWO supremacy, Where's Bischoff? Where are the other members? Is so this a big all- deal? I, th- I thought it was.
0: <laughs> I, I thought the cage would have made sense. When I heard this was a cage match, I thought the NWO was literally going to be surrounding the cage. Like, it, their boss is in there fighting for literally running their stable. E- even if you had Randy versus all of them, you could have this, like, well, if Randy's in charge, we have to kind of listen to him, or the, the comp- like our, our little company will collapse. And maybe there's stakes then, but there's no stakes. No one Like, if Randy wins, what happens? Nothing. Literally nothing happens. it's ridiculous. Uh, Almost as ridiculously hard as it is to see through that cage. I had a real problem seeing what was happening in that ring to you guys. Oh yeah. I I had a problem with it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have that many notes on the match besides they just kind of brawl the entire time. And it's hard to make out exactly what they're doing with their brawling. I, I have note of like two good spots. Where Macho just randomly killing himself for spots. He lets himself get back body dropped into the cage and is landing like upside down on his shoulder and neck between the cage and the, the ring ropes. That was like brutal. And because there's a cage, Randy has to do an axe handle off the top. He's got, he, I can feel his knees imploding. Who's letting him do this stuff? <sighs> Any blades.
2: Yeah, Any blades. both blades. blades. <laughs> both <laughs> blade.
1: In a company yeah. that supposedly it's Illegal to do. They're not supposed to do it.
0: Hogan also blades for no reason. So like, at least Randy gets hit against a cage. It's not necessary, but at least there's logic for why he's bleeding. Hogan just starts bleeding out of nowhere. Oh, you can see
1: Randy blade as well. It's pretty obvious.
2: Oh, yeah. There's there's very little logic in this match. Mm. The other thing that really bothered me was there are zero shots of Liz, I think, the whole match. So, you know, you can have this fun storytelling of cut to liz oh no randy's bleeding oh this isn't worth it randy like this, getting control of the nwo is not worth it yeah.
1: no or you even get to do and we get to say it again whose side is she on
0: yeah <laughs> even even actually hashing their old storyline would be better than what we got uh boatman just hop out of the cage at some stage and the commentary team don't know if that's the finish to the match or not like oh my god they're at the edge of the and they're both outside the cage okay cool cool tight tight
1: they go just, right back into it was like
0: the yeah, yeah. briefest. I'm <laughs> not like he
1: he did it to whip
0: him into the railing. Was that was that yeah. the only spot they did? Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: After the axe <laughs> handle off the top, we get our pay per view debut of the disciple who attacks a bunch of referees for no reason. I think you could have just taken the keys off him. Dick move, and he stops Hogan from getting elbow dropped off the cage. And I'm very glad I didn't want to see Hogan take that move, and I didn't want to see Randy give out that move. That would have been terrifying for everyone involved. It's now a two-on-one st- and stinger pels onto the cage and then like into the ring. They bring well, him down fast sometimes. <sighs> yeah. They, they bring them down fast sometimes, man. That's scary shit.
2: It is. It is. At first, I thought it was the dummy because he wasn't moving that much. Yeah. <laughs> Just the way he was kind of hanging there. was Like, oh, okay. That is the actual Sting. I, th- I thought it was like, wow, so this is why this match is bad. They bring on a dummy again. <laughs>
0: They stand there in the ring, Ho- uh, Hogan and uh, Le- what's his name, uh, the cyborg. Ed, Ed Leslie. Ed <laughs> Leslie. Yeah, Ed um, Leslie.
2: You, we need um, to point out that they
0: they do not call him. The, we do not know his name right yeah. now. So it's yeah. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? This terrible, terrible guy. At one side of the ring, you have Ed Leslie standing with Hogan, pointing at Sting, and you have Macho Man like giving uh, Sting claps on the back and pointing back at Hogan. And that lasts for, and I kid you not, five years. To my Today's knowledge. says,
2: what a standout
0: <laughs> To my knowledge, those four men are still standing in the middle of that ring pointing <laughs> at each other today. And then Savage Clothesline Sting for some reason and leaves the ring with Hogan shouting back, you work for me. You have to do as I say. Hey, I let's not forget
1: you. he gets a good spit on
0: Hogan's face yeah. on the way out. Yeah. Wow. <sighs>
2: I don't like you. I never
0: will. Yeah, that's what he said. Wait, well, I guess they put over the right guy. Randy needed to be put over here, I guess.
1: And most importantly, Dave, nobody won the match, so we're going to have to do it again, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> it's so, oh, it's so painful. You know what I did think they were going to do, when I gave them a bit of credit going into this? I thought they were going to have just Hogan decimate Savage and be like, this is what happens if anyone comes up against me. I own the NWO. And that would be some character work. It's a small pay-per-view. It doesn't matter. And then you can separate Savage from the NWO or even have him become a babyface again and feud a bit. But no, you had to have this perfectly even match where, what is he, like 45-year-old Randy busts his knees wide open doing a needless spot. The Disciple gets his pay-per-view debut and Sting gets made look like a chump by a bunch of 50-year-olds. you telling me they didn't win the war? (laughs) <laughs> that's strange that's strange
2: my, my favorite part was uh tony says we're out of time and i was like for a pay-per-view i'm like this isn't nitro
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can run over if you want yeah. i mean yeah. i mean
2: the technically car- they, they, they they can't but yeah but it's, it's just the way you deliver it. it's like yeah. this yeah. isn't
1: he was like letting fans know,
2: fans, we're out of time. It's like, no, you don't need to.
1: So, we won't get any conclusion to this. So, like, all it's missing is we're out of time. We'll see you on Nitro. Like, that's sort of...
0: right. Yeah. Also, there's nothing but, happening. Uh, it's not like it's a standoff and they're out of time. Macho's left the ring. Sting has been That's decked. what I thought they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, uh, the, I mean, Sting decking Savage, it, it was kind of played up on the Nitros that they, they wanted to match against each other, which is like, you know, whatever. It was just kind of a cool thing that they were teasing. No real like reason for it. It was just kind of like Savage. Like I want a title shot. It's like, okay. And they, they gave it to him on Nitro, but you know, the NWO uh, interfered with the match. So that's kind of like where this story uh, came from. And that's kind of why Savage deck sting. It's not nothing.
0: I can see why this is on lists of some of the wor- one of the worst endings of a pay per view ever.
2: See, I don't, I don't know. Like, I thought the match wasn't that embarrassing because, like, when I think about comparing it to the havoc match with Piper, I think that's <laughs> way worse. I said I was embarrassed to watch that as a as a fan. This one, I'm like, yeah, I, I can put it on. Whatever. This is just it's ba- boring. It's just and boring and bad,
1: slow and ponderous and whatever. But yeah, they're at least trying
0: i think if you take it out of time if you take it as an individual match and you haven't you don't know anything else about the storyline you're like okay that's fine like it's just too old lads and they're not really able for much more than this and but if you take it in the context of the storyline and what's happening backstage at the time like this is just a disaster this did nothing for anyone and in fact maybe hurt everyone involved and your company and your belt and anyone coming up through the ranks and your main storyline i i mean I don't think that's
1: fair to take that though as going, this is a terrible end of a pay-per-view because that's not what 90% of the fans are thinking.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, yeah. I think the part of
2: the problem is we've, we've just seen this before, like, all right, yeah. stings repelling again. Okay. You yeah. know, this whole pay-per-view kind of felt like a nitro
3: and that's, yep.
2: that's kind of where it really falls flat at the end.
0: It just feels like a ring full of people that don't really want to put each other over. Um, that's because it's what it is, I guess. (laughs) They just don't don't know what they're
1: going to do. They don't, they don't have any intention of setting up anything. Like that's not, there's no care.
0: Yeah, there isn't. Maybe they know. maybe they know this this part doesn't matter and it's not a big match, but I'd like to say that there's been big matches with the similar results. And it is sad to see, and I'm starting to see more and more like at the start of the podcast, I'm like, Oh, I'm not seeing as much of this mid, uh, mid, uh, like mid card being amazing. As people said, it's good, but, I'm starting to see it now. Like this is really disappointing to watch in a card that we have DDP and Raven and Benoit. And like, we're not, we're not even talking about Goldberg. Who's like one of their most over commodities who's not even on the card.
2: He, yeah, he is white hot right now. I mean, he has to be in the plans right now. They, they know what they have in him right now. So it's just like, how do we use this guy? So I I think they they started the plan right now. Cause I think finally we get to see him fight somebody legitimate next pay-per-view because he the past month he's fought nobodies for all month
0: yeah e- even though i don't like goldberg i'm gonna have a lot, of, a lot of stuff to say about him when he's consistently on the cast it's like when you have that much on the card even the opening match if you have booker t and eddie guerrero the guys we put up over huge and there's just this solid divide between them and the top nwo guys and I just know they don't break it because I know what happens in the future. That's heartbreaking. They have it. They got the talent. They have the storylines. They just refuse to use them. On Goldberg's
1: point, I, I think they're. it's probably correct not to have him on this. They're probably doing. They're probably handling him correctly, to be fair, because where do you put him without jump shotting him right into the top bit? Because I, I'm assuming they've figured out now they're like, oh, a win streak. This is how we're going to get him over, blah, blah, blah. So you can't give him a belt because then you have to have him lose a belt at some point which means he has to lose so you lose the whole point of his gimmick so unless it's the world title can't give him a belt so he can't wrestle anybody who has a belt and you probably don't want to have him even interacting with anybody with belts because then you're like oh we'll get him to wrestle them and you're like well we still want them to be champions so at this point it it is stupid that he's not on the show but i understand why yeah there isn't really anywhere to put him
2: Right, and they're still kind of rehabilitated him because he's like he had the the bad match of Starcade, he had the bad match with Regal, like he needed some more time to just work through that. And yeah, he's 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 finally he's finally there. The fans forgot about it. He's on Nitro and Thunder every week, and he just he comes out for thirty seconds. Like the Spear Jackhammer matches, they're here. Like the, the, they're definitely <laughs> tapping into that, which is great. You, you know, he has, still has the occasional three minute matches, but. No, it's it's there. The formula is all for the riping. He just needs to get that entrance, and it's all
0: set. Yeah, and uh, as I said, I, I have plenty to say about Goldberg when he when he's wrestling regularly. But it it, it is just disappointing to see the, the final two matches here when there's so much potential on the card, and it's sad to know that a lot of that is because people backstage have a lot of sway. I can't wait to see Piper in matches again, <laughs> so I can I can oh, do come more about it. Coming next month. <laughs> I, i'm being a bit of a downer here like the, I, i actually enjoyed this pay-per-view a lot i think overall i think a lot of the ma- none of the matches were amazing we didn't have any like five star match really but i think we had a bunch of decent matches and then the last it's like the first half of the card is good second half of the card is just mediocre or, or disappointing because some of the matches like you said the main event is fine it's just what could have been so after a little bit of a tangent, and they're becoming more and more frequent, these tangents. I'm going to ask you guys, Connor, what do you think of the pay-per-view and whose side are you on?
2: I was actually not as high as you were. I, I didn't think it was the best pay-per-view. A lot of bullshit finishes. Uh, no surprise. Pretty much all the NWO matches had interference. It's just, it's getting really, really old. Yeah, it's disappointing because the the card looked on paper, looked great overall, but yeah, just... Feels a very throwaway show. The stories didn't come together in the upper card matches. And I just feel like it's gonna be the same going forward for the next few shows because it's just kind of like the lull period for WCW pay-per-views, unfortunately. I'm guessing. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll but, see. Uh, <laughs> as far as who Saidamon, I am a Jerichoholic. Every week he comes up with something <laughs> new and come on, baby. It's it's single-handedly making the 20 hours of WCW content that I need to watch. Every you know, every time. it It's not a complete chore, thank, thanks to Jericho. So nice. I have to give my props.
0: How about you, Fergus? What do you think of the pay-per-view? Whose side are you on?
1: Yeah, I I, I got to disagree with you also, much like Connor. I don't see how this is a good show. It's really disappointing, to be honest. And most of the guys, too, that I would expect to get good, reasonable stuff out of it wasn't even that good either. So, yeah, very disappointing. Not really a pay-per-view show. the the end of it obviously doesn't make any sense whatsoever so it's just a bad show i think um outside of jericho's match i don't think i really enjoyed anything on it and stuff was either boring or poor or a mixture of all the above that wouldn't make me want to go watch nitro which is obviously what they're trying to do (laughs) i'm trying to rack my brain to think of somebody other than jericho to be on their side just to try and point out some other positive aspect to it but Goldberg. I'm not really <laughs> yeah Goldberg wins by not being there yeah. Uh, but yeah it's got you've got to be on chris's side i think chris is the only person who is nailing his character has the ability to back it up in the ring and actually has an idea and ability to put those on show everybody else seems to be missing something that was on that show anyway uh, for whatever reason
0: yeah that's completely fair I, I already said i enjoyed the show for certain reasons I'll tell you whose side I'm on. I think it has to be WCW at the moment. I think the early match with Booker and Guerrero, both WCW guys, Jericho Blanco, both WCW, Paige, Raven, Benoit, every match that had any good qualities involved no NWO guys at all. In fact, looking over the card, the NWO barely has a presence on a bunch of these matches. I I feel the threat less and less of the NWO. You know, when you first start watching you Felt like they were a big deal, and now it feels like they're just WCW guys in a weird top. That's us for another episode of WCW vs. NWO podcast. Remember, you can find us under the same handle on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also support us on Patreon, where you can vote for future specials we do. Where else can you find us, Connor?
2: Well, you can also find us on Vimeo, we do some video exclusives on there. You can also, I occasionally write the wrestling article on sportsobsessive.com. Uh, i've actually been doing a lot of wcw articles sometimes i kind of do like a post recap of an episode that we do so i did one up for sold out 98 so i'm gonna try and do more of those in the future but yeah also check out our nitro flashbacks uh, that are gonna be exclusive on the patreon going forward a lot of fun doing those i can't wait to record the second one
0: from gus connor and me thanks for listening and join us next time when oh joy we get our first something on a pole match